0: minute a lad of asking for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He'd put a 50, 60, 70 request.
1: They would love the man, you then know, and he kind of went through the list of through the most. <laughs> there could be a lot of lads.
2: OTB AM. Live. Weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app.
1: OTB
3: AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating
0: bar. You're welcome along to O T B A M the Ned and Collins. I think he got a bit of luck. He turned left and the ball kinda he it kinda deflected into his way and he, he then his only option really was to do the outside the foot. And he's a good enough footballer uh, to do that. And I thought his interview in RT afterwards was really Endearing, who's just like I like to enjoy myself in the football pitch. Yeah,
4: I, I, I like I like that. Yeah, Tony O'Donnell, who tried to get him to describe the goal multiple times, three times in yeah. a row. And it, I think I, the one thing we can say about the goal is that it was certainly instinctive because Nathan Collins didn't really know what the hell happened until he watched the whole thing back. Yeah, but I, I that's got a good that. Thing.
0: I got that impression and. Uh, I don't know though, his, his, his control on the ball, and I think his sheer physicality as well. I think, like, he won so many headers, I mean, lo- a lot of echoes of Paul McGrath, but his composure on the ball, and I don't know if it's a physical thing with him, where he's just able to sort of dominate players, even Yarmolenko at times. Um, so that was Nathan Collins, I mean it was a great night in many ways I think, uh, or certainly a very good night But Nathan Collins, I mean, and you're thinking of like all of the young players that were playing and were not playing last night I mean, and all of the under-21 players who didn't um, play for the under-21s who nearly topped their group um, And all this noise about the management like over the last week is just like so tiresome And I know we have a show to fill and we're going to probably talk about it as well but like, come on! Look, look at the positives here, and
3: look at the bigger picture. I don't think it's hard to look for the positives this morning, Colin. No, not at all. What a difference a week makes! Seven days is a long time in politics. Like we was saying there beforehand, if the results were reversed, so had we won the first two games of this four-game period and lost the second two, then the narrative this morning would be like, ah, oh, you know, it's it's not good enough, it's not consistent enough. But now the mood is so much better, and I was reading the comments online, like fascinated by the comments overnight to see what the general reaction to it was. And its I would say it's about 75% positivity. I think there are a lot of people who have made up their mind about Stephen Kenny. And a few people, you know, uh, state their case and make their arguments about why they don't believe in the Kenny regime. But the, the positivity is undeniable since that Scotland game. Like, the, the performance in Dublin was absolutely brilliant. I was at that match. It was like as if the previous two games never happened And last night I was just so impressed and it was our own Nathan tweeted and I think he summed it up very well when he said, um, for the first time in a long time in an Ireland game, we're not talking about an existential crisis, we're just talking about a very good display against uh, an impressive international side. And we fit into that category last night. Uh, well, I, yeah, I think we don't want to talk about an existential crisis, but the fact of the matter
4: is that an existential crisis conversation was happening five days ago. And I think you're you're bang on that, like, if these two results were the other way around, mm. the, the the lingering feeling would have been the crisis talk or whatever. And that's yeah. just... Totally ridiculous! It's, it's totally ridiculous. The results could have been exactly the same. The performances could have been exactly the same, it's but the, the mood music would have changed. Like there was talk, uh, like there was reports last Friday that if Ireland's results didn't improve. Stephen Kenny's reign, and I quote, would have come to a juddering halt. Yeah, I like mean, I mean, so Ireland could have lost that game last night had that left winger just been a little bit more clinical. Yeah, are we all of a sudden saying that this path is the wrong one? And well, that it would the, have
0: been the, un- the pro-
3: as unlucky had we lost last night, wouldn't it? Surely, yeah, it would have yeah, been. But it's it's, it's, it's
0: about moments as well. Like I t- I slightly disagree. I don't think we were brilliant against. I thought Scotland really? were very poor. I thought, we,
3: I thought we were better in the first
0: half last night than against yeah, Scotland. That, that but we was needed, very good. needed to be better. Yeah, well, Scotland against, were poor. But we against Scotland, it. like some of our passing other better teams would have just scored against us. But against Ukraine at home we should have gotten a penalty at Nil all and then that changes everything. Against Armenia, if we did score in the first half, I think we'd win that game comfortably. And then the, the in the heat um, we got frustrated and that was a poor that was a poor performance in fairness. But I didn't think the Ukraine game I agree with Kevin Doyle on RT last night, I didn't think the Ukraine performance was as bad as some people made it out and a lot was said it was their second team but it was still you could tell they're a good side like they're a good side and we have so many players that were still sort of we even last night with two wing backs were clearly not wing backs at all and both were caught out at times McLean for the goal and um, Brown uh, uh, in the first half on a couple of occasions I mean Hogan was absolutely being carried up front like yeah. we basically 10 players and a player who was probably out of his depth and you saw this at, at other times during the campaign but then you're thinking of, like, imagine Obafemi on the pitch last night, what he could have done. And this is, he's, he's only, as as Dave Kelly said in the paper today, he's, he's an overnight sensation after four years. But like, Obafemi would have caused Ukraine lots of problems because they looked like they needed somebody to stretch them and like just moments and you're watching that game last night you're like I really enjoyed that game I really enjoyed the right. game on Saturday I hadn't enjoyed Ireland for the guts of 20 years yeah. but it's know, so it's like I'm enjoying watching them again and it's the possibility of the youth that we have and the fact that they're clearly buying into Stephen Kenny and I don't really care what anyone else says as long as the players are buying into him and, and it's the, the reasons why uh, we're enjoying the game well the reason why
4: I'm enjoying the game isn't so much isn't solely down to Nathan Collins scoring a wonder goal or Michael Obafemi and Troy Parrot linking up beautifully on Saturday it's also on Saturday Scott Hogan closing down um, Gordon uh, Craig Gordon and everybody around him just like uh, applauding what he had done it's uh, the the game heating up last night the Armalenko yeah, kicking out of the supplies. Ireland but the, the Ireland player is giving it back to him like mm. that old sense of like aggression and this sort of temperature ratcheting up in a, in a tight one all which mm. I really enjoyed last night oh, that, totally. That I think was actually absent Previously, it's not. It wasn't just the absence of flair and great goals by centre backs that are going to go maybe potentially to to, to quite a high level in the game, but mm-hmm. it's also kind of like the, the basic elements of characteristics that you look for in footballers that I think were absent, and I think that collectively we're all enjoying a lot more than we were because they're more present right now than they
0: were. And the, like honestly, like I think presumably saves the goal against uh, Ukraine. Being honest, and um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, like and again, a lot of the narrative is Kenny. Kenny called that a fluke. Maybe he was a fluke, maybe he wasn't, but he's he, it's almost like he's been admonished for putting a positive spin on things, which I think is so much of a contrast to all Irish managers and fair enough, you can argue with some of the things he says, but with Bazuna would have saved that we're missing obama Madeli we're missing um the heart of our defense last night. Duffy Egan Coleman, Duffy, all, Egan, absent. Coleman all absent we're missing a, an outstanding right wing back um we're playing a guy left wing back that isn't really um a defender um then we're missing Ida. And Femi up front, and we were very good. We were very good. Like we're and and it, I was talking about the, the the core of this team going forward with Bazuna in goal and three centre backs. I think I said that before I'd even seen Nathan Collins play for Ireland, and I mean the narrative has totally changed now because this man is going to be a colossus. Like that performance was outrageous. It was so. It was practically flawless and the goal was the goal, but everything else about it. And he just has this like belief in himself that I think Kenny is inculcating in young players. You can do this. Don't be afraid to be Irish. Don't be afraid, because you're Irish, to take on three players as a centre back and hit the ball with your outside your foot yeah. into the bottom corner. Don't be afraid to do that because we've been afraid for too long. We've been afraid where
3: midfielders wouldn't even cross the halfway line, not to mind a centre back. It actually statistically was nearly flawless. Nathan Collins performance mm. our own Jack Keegan has compiled <laughs> How them are lads giving right, them 9 out of 10 it 92% was 10. pass completion rate 3 out of 3 dribbles completed three of clearances nine recoveries four out of five aerial Jewels won so there's your not flawless four out of five yeah. only on, just... but like yeah I I, mean, I love that interview afterwards it was like the Will Ferrell old school moment where like sorry, I just blacked out there I don't know what happened <laughs> I just picked up the ball next thing I know I'm scoring an absolute world class goal has the center half scored a better goal I mean I put it to Phil Egan this morning he was like I mean surely there's been some centre half who has run the entire length of the pitch at the elite level of the game. Oh well we're, we're, Dykes a great goal. And Vincent Celtic. Vincent company against Leicester City yeah, to win the, but the Premier Yeah that's kind of the Abafemi Mold of great yeah, goals. Yeah sorry yeah do well, you, you mean the specific great goals in different ways yeah. since Saturday? Uh,
4: like I mean the, the thing about it is that we will obviously rush to kind of like say, look at the, the other great center central defenders in the world at the moment and it may well be it probably will be hyperbole to that Nathan Collins can get to the very very top level however the characteristics that seem to exist in some of the top defenders in the world right now for example Virgil van Dijk it seems that there is a little bit of that in Nathan Collins just because of the, by virtue of the fact that he is a big man and he has this ability to nudge somebody off the ball in brutal fashion while it looking unbelievably graceful and by extension not giving away fouls being able to kind of share opponents away from the ball uh, in a way that Van Dyke does. I'm not saying that he's going to get to that level at all. But it's just, I think that's what's getting people very excited yeah. this morning as well, is that he's showing those same characteristics that are very on vogue for the top central defenders at the moment.
0: He's, he's 6'4", like, and he's not long-term 21. and uh, you, you saw even in the second half when Kelleher played it out to him. And there was, again, moments from the game on Saturday where we're playing it out to Duffy, who's just not good on the ball, and he's yeah. going to give the ball away. Duffy's position for me now, you're looking at it and you're like... I mean, he's our talisman. He's really good going forward. But like Nathan Collins
3: can never not play for Ireland again. Well, you see, he can do, he can yeah.
4: score a Duffy goal as well. Is yeah. a thing. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah
3: He's capable. Yeah. Actually, not to put you on the spot now, but I was thinking about this. If everyone's fit, what's your starting back five um, with the wing backs? Is I, I love a
0: mobile Like yeah. so, if, you know. And again, he has to come back in now and get over his injury. Um, but would you have Egan back in alongside uh, Collins? I, I'd probably have Darroche or yeah. and and Collins. To be honest, yeah. I, I Duffy just for me, he's he's brilliant like from set pieces, um, but he gives the ball away so much that I do think it's a problem. I'd probably be mocked for that now. Like I think Duffy is, still makes a lot of mistakes with the ball at his feet, and that does cost us. So then you're you're only as strong as your weakest link in terms of passing the ball out from the back, yeah. Um and the other two. Are pretty backs. comfortable. Collins is, is just looks like he has essentially everything. And as I was saying there, like when Kelleher played the ball out to him the second half, and he was there wasn't really a pass on. He just moved back, did a quick turn around, yeah. gave it back to Kelleher. Problem solved. That's grand. We're still in possession. The wing back is clearly Doherty and left wing back Stevens. Yeah, I I don't know, like. I think McLean. Like yeah, he he he's friends to him. He's, well, lads, isn't he? he's like, not. He's not. He's not flawless at the back neither is Stevens now no. Stevens isn't isn't the best defender in the world either but I don't know like I, I don't know it's the one position that we, we you know I, I think we could have a better left wing back because in fairness McLean he's not a defender we're getting away with it a bit but do we need, do we need a defender in that position given you've got three
4: very mobile athletic uh, very talented centre backs in, in your future back three there with yeah. Oma Bamadelli, Darrow O'Shea and of course Nathan they're Collins right
0: footed as well though well, that's so the problem yeah. like so you're, looking, you're looking for a left footer uh, there at yeah, some yeah, stage yeah I, I don't I, I still think against good teams you get caught out in with three at the back in wing positions they're going to target you. they targeted Brown and they should have scored yeah. they, and they didn't really target McLean McLean, Llenko, McLean yeah. did quite a lot wrong about that goal his positioning wasn't great but Yarmolenko totally overplayed the ball so like he gave us an out and then McLean just wasn't able he just wasn't able to defend as a defender should and mm-hmm. basically sh- shepherd him to a position where you can argue then that the two lads the two centre backs were well,
3: Collins was at fault. you know. I mean
0: these things are happening so fast I mean what are you yeah. supposed to do there were three over two ah, yeah, totally. in any event but the, the, the wing backs will in good games they will c- catch you out when you've
3: basically wingers playing there in my view I think McLean uh, anticipated cutting back on the left foot for Yarmolenko yeah. just like McLean would do in that position himself so he's probably thinking from the attacker's point of view I thought he did quite well but you do need a wing back who can defend in some way because as Johnny said like the right wing opposition would just destroy us, like mm. you know. It like I mean, right wing opposition. The, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, We've had plenty of that in the Irish press in the last few days. There's been like obviously
4: some suggestion that maybe we could potentially uh, have we could see like some like Chidoze Ogbeni played as a as a right wing yeah. back at some point in the future. It's the same like, problem. So much it's,
3: r- it, many right options.
0: Yeah, problems, yeah. It, that, that's it. Obviously, but you see, Ogbe- Ogbene, for example playing right wing back in the Armenia game away might have made more sense when you're playing a team that essentially are parking the bus to a large degree um you can obviously take more chances but you know i still i still think the heat was underplayed uh, in terms of the armenia performance i think it's very difficult for irish players to play in heat like that uh, over 90 minutes and they kind of flattened out in the second half and then, I mean, I'm sorry, but Callum Robinson, who again isn't really up to this level in my view, like he should be, he sh- we should have a penalty in the first half. And I mean, we should, we, it's a lot of what about her here, but like, let's not overreact to everything. And I, I don't think we were amazing in, in in either of the last two games. I don't think we were amazing, but it was, it's been very positive window, I think, all in all, in terms of the future. Like, let's look at the future here and let's look at, Kenny trying to bring a massive sea change in the way we approach football as a nation, as in genuinely as a nation, um, and even the Irish under 21s Crawford, like said before the 21s game. Yes, we believe we can beat Italy. He said after the game, I would have bitten your hand off for second place before the group started. Yeah. So he's not getting called out for changing the narrative. Like, so let's let's like let's laud positivity. Yeah, yeah.
4: Like, I I, I do think like the one metric and it's an intangible that you you have to look at is. Our Ireland's making progress, and maybe a secondary point is how quick is that progress happening? Is it happening quick enough? And I think, especially given the age of some of the players who have started to shine recently for Ireland, you'd have to say that the progress is happening. And like just a couple of comments coming in, like just um, like your point on on the heat. Uh, Shifty lads says, "Morning lads in Armenia, the temperature is very high, and having to play in that would have been very tough." I think our
0: passing is getting better, and not side to side for the sake of it. I think that's spot on. And then Ken- and, and, and and some some longer balls as well from. Which- are totally, totally warranted if you've any pace up top because we need to mix it up a bit and we are mixing it up. And Keller is like unafraid to do mm. that as well. It's not just constantly out to the, to the centre-back. And, and sorry, if you have Duffy in your team, it just creates wobbles because you you can't trust him on the ball. It's simple as that. And we saw like he was very, very poor Saturday. Well, I'd be
3: very interested to see what happens when Stephen well, Kenny does have a full deck mm. he so he I mean, for him. The back three is fascinating. Yeah. You know, like really, truly it is. But would you not, uh, would you dismiss the notion that Duffy is, is too much of an attacking threat at set pieces yeah it's to it's it's and he's yeah. a, he's a brilliant leader as well and I
0: think yeah. everyone loves him like um it's just he's not Nathan Collins and he never will be I mean Nathan Collins is going to be one of the best Irish players of all time would you have raced him was, that had, high, you high you, before you're you, you, you're going to that level he's oh, going to become geez, one of the best you Irish can't at of all that time.
3: age with that experience can't produce forms like that forget about the goal he was flawless like 24 hours ago if we had asked you that would you, you have said the same about I I have
0: to I actually haven't seen enough of him and even in this window like um you know, I, I watched one of the games, the Blasket Islands. Like, I'd love to have been at the games. I couldn't. I was away on holidays. So, but last Clark. night, sorry, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, you can't he was in produce. Clark. All right. You can't, what's that? He was in Cork. <laughs> I was in Cork. Holidays. As well, yeah. Um, but you can't produce forms like that. Like, this is a good Ukrainian team and he was just immense he was 10 out of 10 uh well sorry he was 9.2 out of 10 on passing accuracy or let's not yeah jack Keegan out. was very harsh let's, get yeah, I, let's let's put it to the listeners like and viewers like is nathan collins going to be one of the great irish greats
3: absolutely i mean we're well, we getting carried like, away now. Know. This yeah, reminds me of Aaron Connolly talks. Remember Aaron Connolly after the Spurs performance for Brighton in 2019? In yeah. And like we, yeah. 70, we found our, we found our Robbie Keane. I do think it's possible to absolutely compare some of his
4: attributes with some of the greats in the game. Obviously, the future is impossible to predict, but I, I applaud your, your, like, we will absolutely clip this if he does go to the top of the game, you know? Yeah, anyway. but you'll clip it if he does it anyway. doesn't as well, because
0: yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, injuries can derail players and so much can go wrong, and like, we've seen you know, Paul McGrath, like, was was a great player with horrible, horrible knees. Like, so we hope mm. that, you know, but phys- I, I just, I can't see, like, that performance for me is, it's it's one of these seminal moments in your sporting life where you're watching something and you're like, Jesus, to, to did be that f- just happen?
4: To be fair, you're, like, you're not on your own there. Like, I mean, just like Irish Times is in front of me here. Gavin Comiskey's opening paragraph is The Future Is Now, Mark The Date. June 14th 2022 that's the night Nathan Collins entered the collective consciousness of Irish sport so like, that is the general feeling uh, around
3: uh, it yeah in Bad We Trust there in the comments on YouTube has said that David Luiz used to score like a collection of classics oh, so yeah. that's a great point but yeah. um, to answer that Philip Quinn has written that it is Nathan Collins' first ever goal for Ireland so has there been a better debut goal at an international no, level I'm really, cl- I'm really trying to find the moment as that uh, nothing can touch this goal well, had, had,
4: had Michael Obafemi scored before his screamer? Had he not? No.
3: Well, okay, well, uh, let's say, okay, I'll tailor not that. Sure I'll tailor that have... comment. Best for... ever first goal scored by a defender. Okay. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> the parameters yeah. are narrowing and I can... Uh, the filter assu- search is... Can
4: I say the answer to your question is no, no Irish defender has scored a better goal on their first goal.
3: You know the little flick at the end that when he skins the last defender? It, it almost felt like he meant it to hit his or knee. Yeah, he, it, it, he it, it looked didn't. so deliberate. I mean, yeah. he obviously didn't, but it yeah. looked so deliberate. But the finish... When he saw from behind the goal on the replay, I mean the curl on it was just so beautiful.
0: But before that, if if, my, if memory serves me well, he was involved in a very good bit of play, um, and I can't remember what it was. But he then wins the ball so high up the pitch, so his his endorphins are high at the moment. He's full yeah. of confidence, and then I think if you if you play the if you play sport and you're everything's kind of going well for you in a game, and then you do like a move like that. And you kind of fluke a position somewhat where you're in a, a one-on-one. You're, you're you're so high, I think, confidence-wise at that stage, where you can do the outside the foot. And by the way, the outside the foot was basically the only logical option available to him at that time because it was the clear uh, shot at goal. But we just don't yeah. see that from centre backs, and he made it look so easy. I'm just like. Well, I mean, have you been doing this all your career in training or what? Or is this just a a once in a lifetime event? But it wasn't the goal for me. It was everything else, really. Like, if the goal never happened, I'd be raving about Collins. And and I think that's like, that's almost more interesting. I think the goal is,
4: OK, the goal is all Nathan Collins. Don't get me wrong here, but I'm not sure the goal happens unless we're playing three at the back. Absolutely take that not. Race. He, he can, he can he, pop he, into midfield. He can he can take the gamble. Like he like it, he, it looks like he could see what was going to happen before it happened, and that's I think is is potentially part of the reason why you're so excited. And, and but he he wouldn't be able to
0: make the decision to act on what he predicted if there was only one centre back beside. And he certainly wouldn't be able to play do that if, if Stephen Kenny weren't manager because there's no way you'd have a centre back that high up the pitch. Simple as like and the three at the back. Kenny's spoken about the fluidity of different systems, and like you get bogged down in three, two, four, one, three, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah but like the, the fluidity of a three at the back is that you can do something like that, you can be a little bit aggressive, particularly if one of your three at the back can play football. And Nathan Collins clearly can, and Duffy, like, probably can't very much. So, like, it's going to be a big dilemma going forward. I would have been very interested to hear what the conversation would have been the morning
4: after the Serbia game last year had Oma Bamadeli scored that Mm. screamer that uh, was brilliant save by a Serbian keeper wasn't it and I I think that we would have been very excited in a similar way and you know what he was outstanding that
3: that night as well before I go to Nathan I just wanted to ask you it sounds like you weren't too unimpressed by the first Ukraine game in Dublin would that be fair? I, I didn't think we... Like, we weren't great, but we hit the bar and we
0: should have been one nil up from a penalty. So, like, I think a lot of the narrative was, oh, it was Ukraine's second team. Watch the game, though. They're a good side. Like, they're a good side. And we were... A lot of our players are coming off long seasons. A lot of them, like... Aren't necessarily even playing at club level. A lot of them are bit part players. with have square pins and round holes. I thought it was bad, but it was more so the fact that it followed the Armenia game, which I I think they were extenuating circumstances. I think Scotland were terrible against
3: us. Like I, I and and, and we still had to do it. I mean, like, the, the, goals, to, like the, the goals, like the second goal particularly, the build up play
0: for that. I mean, even the, the first quality goal. of three of our the three of three of our last four yeah. goals. Sorry, our last three goals. Yeah. like they're three of the best goals Ireland have probably scored in twenty years. Basically, let's be honest. Definitely. So we're actually. Is it is it not nice that we're enjoyable to watch as well again? Like we
3: we we were horrible to watch. There is. were 50,000 at the game. on It like is, that. but we'll be accused now of hyperbole and getting carried away with things. Like, where are we now? Where, where are you
4: possibly getting the hyperbole accusation from? I, I, I <laughs> but
0: like, the Obafemi pass for this? um the Parrot goal was... That's why you watch football. Like, that's why you watch... I didn't think no. Obafemi had that in him. Obafemi had that in him. Obviously, he does. That was the greatest moment of beauty of the whole, like... Four games, Johnny. You've had the greatest night of your
4: life, by the sounds of things. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to knock positivity here this morning. I'm going to bring Nathan Murphy in, though. I'm not sure where, where <laughs> oh, the where right? Nathan Collins is in uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, your future Irish prospect. From Nathan Collins and <laughs> Nathan Murphy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're 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 hearing it all here in studio this morning. Nathan, that this guy could. Uh, what what's your
0: exact take, Johnny? Best Irish player ever, possibly. I would say Nathan that he's going to be an Irish great, like essentially, like barring things going wrong injury-wise or whatever, Like, how how could he not be
5: after doing that at 21 years of age? I think, Johnny, uh, you have a temptation to get carried away at times, and I've definitely felt since the start of the Stephen Kenny reign that you've uh, maybe over-egged how brilliant some of these players are going to be, but I think you're dead right with Nathan Collins because I think he's already started to do it. Whereas a lot of those young players, like, we have no control over what their club futures are mm. and whether they'll play enough matches and how that will impact the development with Ireland. But Nathan Collins has already half, had half a season in the Premier League where he's been exceptional. And now it's just a matter of where he goes next. It may well be Burnley because obviously me and Tarkowski have both left. So Burnley may think, well, this guy will get us back up to the Premier League next season. And it's worth, uh, worth sticking with him. And also they spent 15 million on him, which means... He's worth at least double that now. Uh, so, you know, is, is the team going to go straight out and spend that? I think they should. But yeah, he he's going to be the middle of that back three, you would have to think now, for the foreseeable future, regardless of what happens with Shane Duffy, though he is an option on either side. So, I'm with Johnny. Like, the goal was obviously of the absolute highest quality and to have that composure to finish with the outside of the right boot. But it was the rest of his game, throughout the four matches. Remember, that happened after starting all four games, one of the few players who have started all four games and to be able to step in at the right time, which is what all modern center halves do to, if you want to press high, you know, your center halves are going to have to take those risks as well and just keep recycling the ball at uh, the pace that he has, that he's shown throughout the three or four matches, uh, his timing in the tackle, his anticipation. Yeah. He looks like an, an absolute superstar. And I think the fact that he has done it in the premier league and he is, played really well in a struggling side over the past few months of the season, shows that he is somebody we should get unbelievably excited about.
4: Like, I mean, it's not exactly the the, the greatest nomination in the, in the world, but for an Irish player to be nominated for Premier League Player of the Month at, at his age probably shows in a struggling side, as you say, that that there's clearly been some suggestion that, that, that he is standing out already at the, the level that he's played with at the club. But what might be kind of maybe a fairer question, Nathan, is comparing Nathan Collins to his current Irish teammates, like, Is he the one at this point who you would have ahead of everybody else in terms of potentially reaching a the highest point in their career? If you're looking around at, say, there was obviously huge hype around Troy Parrott at the start of his career, could could still yet happen for at at any level, and a number of other players. Do you think that the, the hype is realist about uh, Collins when you compare him to the Ar- Ireland um, youngsters?
5: Again, I think he's done it already. Like, yeah. He has played a good chunk of games, whereas Troy Parrott... Listen, it's developing and you know, did really well over the few games. And again, last night, while well, he missed the golden opportunity. His movement was brilliant. Makes the odd bad decision. Uh, but it was all hype with Troy Parrot because of what had happened in preseason with Tottenham and the expectation that maybe he could go on and become the backup to Harry Kane. Nathan Collins has had a good run of, what, 10, 15 Premier League matches and not looked out of place at all. So, yeah, I think right now you have to say he has the highest ceiling uh, because he's been there, he's done it. Andrew i obviously looked exceptional at times, but injuries have curtailed his season. You know, maybe Adamida finally kicks on next season and gets gets a good run of games. But we have had a, a lot of false dogs. Michael Obafemi amongst them. Right? Think of Michael Obafemi scoring that goal for Southampton against Manchester United. Think of Aaron Connolly scoring that brace for Tottenham or uh, get for Brighton against Tottenham. Like both of those moments you're thinking these guys are going to lead our front line for the next ten years. There's no way they can't. Mm. Uh, but football can turn when you're a young player very quickly. And like, there's no guarantees with Nathan Collins. Uh, what is the move to the Premier League? You want to get a move where you're playing. So maybe you do another season actually with Burnley and play every single match. And then you're ready for a move to a top six, top eight team. Play under Vincent Company a for a right season. Right now. Well, exactly. Uh, it hasn't done Josh Cullen any harm. I, uh, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen with Burnley, I'd say, because they've lost their two senior setter halves. I think Kevin Long. And, and Nathan Collins are pretty much the only centre-halves they have left. But they may just think, actually, if we can get 30, 35 million just been relegated, they haven't got anything for me or Tarkowski, you know, let's go and take that. But it's oh, it's exci- Jesus, exciting to watch. I, I saw him over at the Etihad. I went over with the kids to watch Man City Burnley in October. And he started that day. And, you know, City obviously don't play with a striker. Uh, and I think Phil Foden played as the false nine. And even though they ended up losing 2 0, and he I made mean, one mistake towards the end, a sort of mistake you kind of expect from a, a young player where he just switched off for a moment. I kind of wondered that day how he'd get on, where he, he didn't have anyone to mark. Like, they were all just dropping deep constantly. There was this brilliant movement from the City front three. And he looked like one of the best players on the pitch. Every time he got in the ball, again, the quality of his passing, he's a proper modern centre half. Even at, was he six foot four? He's a really good passer. He's got the pace. He obviously has the confidence as well. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a night I think we'll be talking about for quite a few years
3: with Nathan Collins. What we're all saying is we're gonna have to redo Kildare's Mount Rush part because <laughs> he could be the greatest ever. See, I think I think in 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 lads who play football,
0: they're not if they're from sort of near Dublin, um, they're, they don't like it, it. They don't go down the Gaelic games lines of I'm from me, the i from Kildare, like. We didn't talk about uh, for Evan Ferguson, who um, I saw some of the 21s, but he did very well in bits of the games. Like, I mean, we should be talking about him, potentially, what he could be. Like he's... Well,
5: Evan Ferguson, though, is Evan, again, with um, over-hyping players, mm. like Evan Ferguson, everyone says, is the real deal. But the problem Evan Ferguson has, he has to prove is it. that he's at Brighton mm. and, you know, Brighton uh, have traditionally had problems scoring goals. They answered some of them last year. But do they look to a teenager to solve them? Or do they go and spend 25 million on a striker and suddenly from being one of the substitutes, you start missing out on a few squads and you end up going another year without playing too much first-team football. Maybe they let him go on loan. Yet the potential is there with... So many of these guys, smallbone the as with well. Nathan, Nathan. is he's there. Yeah, like small, smallbone small, sitting small, on the bench in Southampton.
0: Smallbone as well. Like I think if if you take a slightly longer term view on this, as opposed to oh, how do we do in the last ninety minutes, which everyone seems to be so obsessed about in this country. Like taking a long term view, we only need like some of these players to really hit the heights, and we could be in a great race. Where like we're watching an Ireland team where like we're going to score goals here. we're going to be really exciting and we're not going to be playing on the back foot and uh, as, as well as that like in fairness Nathan we, we finished the game quite strongly last night.
5: Oh that uh, that was uh, uh, one of the main takeaways that Ireland were pushing and pushing. Yeah they nearly got done on the counter attack and there be massive accusations of naivety if they had conceded late on. But Ireland were a better team in the last 15 minutes of that game. Uh-huh. I thought Jeff Hendrick played really well when he came on and added a bit more of an impetus to try and get Ireland on the front foot. And it's just to get one or two of those attacking players to make an impact. It's probably one of the disappointments over the four games that the players who came on to replace the front three in the four games never really were that threatening. But it, like this wasn't, there's ways of drawing a game. And listen, John Giles will be on tomorrow night. And you know he, I'm sure he'll say you take each game as its merits. And maybe actually last night when you go 1-0 up was a massive missed opportunity to win a huge game away from home by just one silly moment of switching off at the start of the second half. But I think we've all sat through dozens and dozens of Irish 1-1 draws away from home and there's a way of drawing 1-1 and quite often it's a we're smashing grab hanging on for dear life at the end and just thankful that we got out of dodge with a point. You know last night I think we can genuinely be disappointed that we didn't win that game and with a lot of lot of young players on the pitch and an awful lot of options right now and you know some good headaches for Stephen Kenny that he needs to start getting right now these headaches and get his selection right when they go to Scotland for the next game in September that we're not going at the end Ooh, well actually should it have been Michael Obafemi should it have been Shadozi Bennett. and I'm not sure what they are because right now I, I, I think trying to select what your first 11 is is you know it's a difficult enough job. Very hard are, are you at least starting
4: with Colin? Uh, Malumbi and Nice at the moment. Like you met, you you complimented uh, Jeff Hendrick just now.
5: Yeah, I think. Uh, and again, there's I think it's about the way the Premier League season is starting. At the league season is starting, the international window is late September, so there's actually going to be maybe eight, nine, ten games for some of these players before the international window, uh, for them to get a bit of a run. And and what Johnny was talking about there, and like, I do think most teams are in the same at the end of the season, where some players have played lots, some players haven't played very much at all and suddenly you have to play four games in a row you know things will change quickly in terms of does Jeff Hendrick actually get a run of games and come into it in flying form and is Jason Malumbi going to be in the West Brom team so Stephen will need to take account of that but I think yeah right now right now Kelleher probably keeps his place in goals you're looking at a back three potentially of Coleman Collins Egan Doherty definitely comes in on the right uh, McLean on the left as you said the midfield three of uh, Cullen Malumbi, Knight and then probably right now it's hard to see how you don't go with a front two of Troy Parrott and Michael Obafemi like, Chidozi Ogbene bizarrely has probably been one of the big losers of yeah. of this Just of this if, run of fixtures
0: a couple of things there would you you're saying if Pizzuno comes back Keller will start? Will still
5: start I, I think Keller her, uh, deserves to start particularly after the performance last night there was one moment and they, they never showed it on the highlights and a ball was played back to him early in the first half and it was pinged mm, through yeah. the air. Mm-hmm. And, if the, and, he, and he just controls it with the underside of his foot. Goes <laughs> yeah. his foot yeah. Remember that that like, happened twice. That like, twice in the first yeah, five minutes.
3: Was it. It, absolute was it was a test. I, 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 it was I think Bazuna, though. Pizuna well, yeah, Bezuna is
0: like? potentially, definitely potentially in the same Nathan Collins completely overhyping mode uh, on a Wednesday morning, a Thursday morning. But Bizzuno's a better keeper than Kelleher.
3: I think, why do I you think, think was, Kelleher, Kelleher going to be like, well, I'd be, like to hear it though why do you think
0: uh, I, I, I think Kelleher I think Kelleher should have saved the, the goal against Ukraine to be honest I think Bezuna just saves that and um, Bezuna save um, in the Luxembourg game away like Bezuna looks basically already almost going to be top class I'm, I'm just, i I just I I, think he's a better keeper than Kelleher and this is a great problem to have Kelleher on the ball is so good but I'd start Bezuna anyway um, I also think that Ogbene and Robinson they're lack of quality at times just being found out in good games and I think we'll be looking at Obafemi going forward that's my take well
5: Ukraine it? at home was I think was particularly damaging to Benet where there was two three occasions where he got the ball on the halfway line and Ukraine were retreating and you expected them either to put the head down and really charge at these guys or there was an option of picking out a pass in behind and he just didn't have it he doesn't have it so I just think he doesn't have th- it Jim. there's also
4: a mitigating factor here in these being end of season yeah, games yeah. And Like you can't just dismiss the mid-season quality of these players He's because long in June they look uh, especially when you talk about running out of defence they don't look like they can run out of defence the same way as they could back in December I think that's a huge yeah, look, look at Callum,
0: Callum Robinson's club career like he's clearly plateaued in terms of where he's at and I like maybe that's different to Agbené. Yeah, so Ogbené has obviously been playing League 1 got promoted um, and he's still something of a of a blank canvas but I think there are moments where you can just tell that he he needs to up his game to, to stay in this team whereas like th- sorry the Obafemi quality for that pass I never see Benny doing that like I never see him even doing anything maybe I'm being harsh but like these are decisions good decisions for Kenny to make well the, like the key thing and you bring it up there Nathan is that it's hard to
4: see how it doesn't become Obafemi and Parrott up front, like that's as much to do with the combination we saw on Saturday as opposed to the individual qualities of in the two players. I know it's one game, but like, I, and I agree with you actually on, on what you said earlier about Parrot and his movement last night, which I thought was really good, but it still felt that not having Obafemi beside him last night probably diminished his own capabilities as well.
5: Well, he, he needs to know exactly, I think, where his strike partner is going to be. And Scott Hogan didn't have a good night, and you could tell by the look on his face when he walked off that mm. he probably thought... You know that's I think his eleventh cap and he still hasn't got a goal. He should have had one on Saturday, but he's you know still hasn't really taken his opportunity. So if Obefermi is back and he's fit and he just needs a good run of games for Ireland for his club where he's always available. Yeah, right now it is an option, but like, the challenge for Stephen Kenny is to make sure he picks the right team at the right time. So if Callum Robinson is back in and he looks at Callum Robinson in training, and maybe Callum Robinson gets a move during the summer and and she's actually you know there's a lot of things we're seeing here that Callum Robinson had uh when he was in his peak run of form and he was scoring goals like maybe Callum robinson does deserve to come back in but right now uh, you know i think if you're looking at mistakes over the four games like picking robinson at at home against ukraine was definitely one of them because you know he didn't look he didn't look at it at all over in yerevan and then to stick with him where he's definitely a yard or two off the pace even for the penalty which i'm not sure was a penalty uh appeal I, I when that ball was played through, and maybe I've been harsh. Look better because he did play that ball through, and Robinson didn't quite look ready. Uh, I expected Robinson to just zip clear of the centre half, to so suddenly have mm. a couple of yards on them, but he didn't. He didn't quite anticipate the pass, didn't have that little bit of pace, and you know we've seen a few of those performances from Robinson. So the balance and like that's the job of of good management is knowing which of these players are 100 percent right at that moment and making sure you can get them into your team. So like. It's easy in hindsight. I don't think anyone said that you know, Michael Obafemi and Troy Power should be a front two against uh, Armenia away. Everyone felt that we we're incredibly excited about Abene and Robinson, and now we're sort of feeling that these guys have, have kind of moved out of the picture. It, it may not be that be that way, particularly with injuries. We well, still do to need these guys over the next few years.
4: And that, that's probably something that we need to kind of maybe look deeper into as well. Is that Stephen Kenny can't possibly know his starting eleven right now, and that means that this team is nowhere near the finished article. And yes, there are loads of exciting moments from last night. The Nathan Collins thing in particular is, is something that's very, very reasonable to get very, very excited about. But it does feel that there are still a lot of questions around certain areas of this team. And it's the old cliche of a, a manager doesn't know his best starting eleven. That for me is like a, a big reason why we can expect this thing to take a little bit longer in terms of finding an end product here.
5: Yeah, but I think like the the result against Armenia has put them on the back foot more than they would like after these four games. Yes, we're ending on a definite high and a real sense of positivity again, but they can't keep having these setbacks. Mm. They they need to put together a run of results at the end of this Nations League, uh, heading and start well in the European qualifiers because uh, international football is always small bursts. And I understand that people feel there's a massive overreaction one way or another, depending if we win or if we lose. But that's every team. Like, look at Scotland. Look at the fallout that was there for Scotland. After Saturday, because they lost one match, you know they've lost one in ten before that. Look at England right now after losing last night. Like we don't, we don't see a lot of international football. So when they come in these bursts over a couple of weeks, it is bloody intense. And if things don't go well, there is going to be question marks around every part of it. So I think the blooding in period is is probably done. Most of these players are well into double figures in terms of caps now, and you probably never settle on a definite starting eleven because of injuries, but. I think we're getting to a stage where we need to start knowing. Like, I think we're at a stage where we need to know that it's Malumbi, uh, Cullen, and Knight, and go with that for three or four games, unless Jeff Hendrick comes in and is in the form of his life
3: and just has to get in that team. A lot of love for Cullen in the comments this morning, actually, because he's six so games like, this season. I think. So, yeah, if that's what you need. You see, like, like the starting eleven that Nathan named there, his ideal one, is pretty good. Like, and you're you're leaving out the likes of Amabadele and Ida. And Duffy. And the list could go on. Like It's really only left wing back that we're kind of uncertain of at the moment. So it's mm-hmm. great. But it, like, transfers play such a big part. Like, you know, you're a call for Pizzuno. I mean, that could really happen by October time when we play the autumn round of fixtures because presumably, Pizzuno is going to be Southampton's first choice goalkeeper. Keller, uh, not necessarily.
6: Like,
5: the Alex McCarthy is still at Southampton. Mm. Uh, certainly, right now uh, the expectation is McCarthy will stay as number one at the start of next season. But maybe Bazunu is just so goddamn good in pre-season that they decide to give him a go. And I know, um, you know a lot of people aren't fully convinced by Alex McCarthy, but again, he may not. And you're right; like that's the big question about the goalkeeping position. Creeping Keller says he's going to have a conversation. I don't really get the sense from Creeping Keller he wants to leave Liverpool. It's a know, tough I think one. A, a, it's another a tough year one. at Liverpool and see how it plays out. Uh, and then Mark Travers, if he's in goals every single week for Bournemouth, now it doesn't look as though he's going to go back to Travers. Uh, but if Bazuna if doesn't play any football between now and then, like it's I just think what Kelleher can do with the ball at his feet, uh, being able yeah. to kick off both feet, I, I don't think it's that clear cut that Bazuna
3: is ahead of Kelleher right now. No, it's a fair point that he uh, he's not necessarily going to definitely start for Southampton. That's fair. But if he does... And if he um, breaks into teams... Like, he's Keller has a decision it, to make. Does, but the thing is, seeing did. Keller in that penalty shootout against Chelsea in the League Cup final mm. was so exciting. And I say that from a Manchester United fan, because you don't see Irish players play at the elite level of the game anymore. This is We're going back 10, 20 years. So it's brilliant to see a player like that. So he has a real conundrum, because he's a uh, second choice keeper at one of the best clubs in the world. The best clubs we've seen in the last decade, that team. And the manager, one of the greatest managers that we've seen, in the modern era, loves him. Mm. So he has a serious decision to make. Mm. Yeah, it's all it. so does Kenny. Um, we mentioned just Jason Knight as well. Like I know
0: he kind of he faded in the second half, um, but like you can just see moments from him where he's such a clever yeah, footballer. Again, it's these young players that, like I know the midfield sort of three as it is now, or whatever. It's not that easy to say who plays alongside Colin and. You know, um Brown is playing out of position, sort of wing-back, even though he's some good qualities going forward. But, like, we have a lot of squad depth that we don't seem to have had for a long, long time. And that's Definitely. what's really encouraging. Even Joel Bagan might come in into the left-back situation as well down the line. Because I think that that will clarify itself in the next few years where McLean is getting on Stevens is probably a bit vulnerable and a, a long term solution there is probably re-
4: required over Bacon's the next a good player like. Um, uh, plenty of mixed reaction uh, in the comments uh, Paul Mallon says it's a bit silly uh, telling people to stop overreacting to a loss when the opening of this show was a massive overreaction to a one all draw <laughs> I support Kenny with the coverage here to do with some balance probably a fair point uh, James McCullough says hi On last week I ma- messaged OTBAM. I was still behind Kenny and that our boys would silence the doubters I hope these last few performances have gone along way to doing that and then finally Kenny the dad says we are still not good enough our game plan works against better teams and the same cannot be said Against poorer sides, and that's not a dig at Kenny. He is dealing with a lack of resources compared to previous managers. I do think the comparative performances between, uh, you know, a, a, a opponents of a higher quality versus a, a more mediocre quality is like. We beat Luxembourg and
0: Azerbaijan very comfortably, though. In, you in know? the end, we did. And I the, guess the yeah. Armenia game. Like I'm, I know we didn't, and Scotland obviously got four there. But like, I think, I think again that was slightly overplayed. Yeah. I think we got very tired in the heat. Yeah. and it is what it is. And they're not. Right. They're not no, the first half
5: performance wasn't shocking yeah. against Armenia. You sort of expect. When we were on commentary that day, you expected Ireland to score in the first 10 minutes of the second half and they'll win this 2-0 mm. and everyone will just move on with their lives. Mm. Uh, but but they're also in that first half was nowhere near the energy levels and the intensity to the performance that there was yeah. last night. And maybe that was to do with the heat. Maybe it was to do with the tactics that meant they didn't have the same amount of numbers in midfield. But they, we sort of often look down our nose, I think, at the sort of put them under pressure idea. But like that has to be rule one for this Ireland team: yeah. is play like the very best teams do. Don't give the opposition time in the ball, and when you win it back, like that's that is the big difference here. Is that when they win it back, they just keep hold of possession. And there's definitely last night, like, the big difference between last night and Ukraine and the second half in Armenia is that you can say that is radically different to what Ireland were doing three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Whereas I felt second half in Armenia and the whole match against Ukraine. That could have been a Martin O'Neill team, a Mick McCarthy team, a Giovanni Trapattoni team. There was no real pattern to it. But the last two games were back
3: to what we saw uh, in the springtime and at the end of last year. Oh, and I thought that was a very balanced uh, assessment of the, of the whole thing. We just happen to have the best centre-half in the world.
0: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> best player who's ever played the
3: game, ever, ever,
4: ever. Yeah. We bring uh, the, the cool-headed Nathan Murphy on. To just well, it's that funny,
3: I, was, um, I mentioned I went to the Etihad
5: and um, after the match, I was there with the kids and they obviously wanted to go and hang around afterwards and see could they meet. Uh, Phil Foden are one of the uh, Manchester City players to get a photo and uh, they have a little tunnel a secret tunnel that the players can escape through. So the, uh, we were just standing there. next thing I noticed a uh, Burnley player come out. I was like, oh, that is Nathan Collins. And the, the, you can tell the kids are a bit like, yeah, Burnley player, Burnley player. My brother's like, oh, no, go over, go over and get that photo with him. And I think it might well have been the first time uh, Nathan Collins had ever been asked for a photo, <laughs> photograph uh, by fans. And uh, he was, geez, he was just the loveliest lad. He stood yeah. and he uh, spoke with them for about 10 minutes. And uh, now... Now, last night, they were like, show me the photo, show me the photo. (laughs) Sorry,
4: was the photo uh, them taking a picture of you and Nathan Nathan (laughs) Collins?
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, I'm just, uh, my biggest concern is, uh, first they had to deal with the emergence of Nathan Carter, and now Nathan Collins, I'm like, Nathan (laughs) Murphy, I've and I've just been well reduced. Uh, Nathan, good
4: stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers, lads. Uh, it is a fourteen. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, after these ads, we're going to be turning to rugby, where we'll be joined by Gordon Darcy. But before that, here's Ireland head coach Andy Farrell talking uh, after announcing his squad to travel to New Zealand. Back in a few.
7: Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're delighted. We're, we're so excited about um, um, taking this squad as a group of 40 to... Um, you know, probably the hardest place in world rugby to go to, and finding out about ourselves. You know, this is a historic tour that probably will never be done again. Certainly, with how we've um, structured the tour, um, maybe Ireland will never get to play a, a, a three-game uh, test series out there again. And you know, this is the ultimate, isn't it? We're talking about building now towards a World Cup, and um, he what you want to do in those type of circumstances is, is is test yourself against the best and it doesn't get any better or tougher than uh, going to New Zealand and playing them in their own backyard uh, backyard with uh, what we see as five test matches yeah no there's plenty of conversations that have been happening over the last few days and uh, like always it's tough you know because um they all wanted to make the tour. Um, it was all—I'm 100% sure—within their goals of the season to to um, to perform well enough to get on this tour because they can see what it means to Irish rugby and they want to be part of it. You know, we've we've picked a 40-man uh, squad, which is the biggest squad that we've that we've picked um, because of the the schedule, etc. and they know, the, the, the players that have missed out and the, and, and the injured players and the guys who have been picked as well, that this is the opportunity to show what they're about under the most extreme pressure, to see whether um, they can perform at the highest level and, and see whether they earn the right to carry on into next year, which is, which is uh, obviously the World Cup year. 18
4: minutes past 8 you're very welcome back to Wednesday's OTBAM. you'll have heard Andy Farrell in the break there talking at the announcement of his 40 man squad for the Tour to New Zealand which begins uh, next month delighted to welcome Gordon Darcy back to the show Gordon how are you getting on?
2: too good morning lads
4: Just on that point of, I guess, these New Zealand tours and these tours to the Southern Hemisphere in general, it feels like it's almost a pattern at this stage that the year before the World Cup, Ireland would go down there and play at least one test in New Zealand. Uh, From your own playing days, was that something that was generally spoken about? Like the World Cup, was that generally spoken about all the time as if New Zealand were this sort of preparatory uh, expedition in order to get ready for, for the big one a following year later?
2: No, not not really. Like I suppose when you when you get to this stage in the season, there's probably I wouldn't even say there's any players involved in the conversations. It's the coaches are, you know, probably have some you know webs in their head that they want to see play out over the next kind of fifteen, sixteen months. But from players, like you look at the volume of rugby that's gone through. There is a certain bit about just getting the energy tanks just you know reestablished and uh trying to get ready for what's the what is the toughest tour um in the uh, in the, in the professional era you know you go back to that tour in ninety seven ninety seven to new Zealand kind of think it was ninety seven yeah I think it was ninety seven that went um you know this is obviously we're better prepared going it 's not a development tour, but this is uh this is akin to that but from the from the player 's perspective you know i'd say this guys looking to put their to reinforce any um potential the coaches might see in them in their heads um and for for other players, it, players it's just 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 to stay there but like i think you can't get away from the, the enormity of this challenge like it's I, like I, I look at it on paper and i'm just like <laughs> just it really it, it is really going to be a brutal tour
4: what is the area of this squad then that would give you most concern when it comes to the brutality? So I, I guess when we're talking about areas of squad depth here.
2: Uh, no, it's uh, that's not, that. I think it's, you know, you, you playing the, playing the All Blacks three games in a row is tough enough, but you're putting in the, the Maori into, in, into that. Like that's, there is no easy game there. So, um, and starting with the Maori, they'll want to set the tone um, for the tour. Um, and, there's this weird thing in 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 New Zealand that they um they almost take it as a national they they're taking the that Ireland have beaten them what three you know, is it three out of the last five times as a as a national insult. So the Maori will be looking to soften up players ahead of the uh, ahead of the ahead of the first test. I think it's it's unfair maybe to pick apart the squads at this stage because um we've got to see how they've how they perform. Um there's cases for people being left out and there's cases for everybody that's that's in there um, I suppose we still have some of the inherent um, you know we probably don't have the some of the injuries will probably be a concern going Not, no uh, Ronan Gallagher and no Robert Ballacoon too that probably jump out
4: the questions that uh, you like that are inherent to the squad of, if you want to continue this theme, and they just won't go away, Gordon, is, is the questions regarding the number 10 position. And if we get into uh, a conversation around squad depth, I think it, you don't even need to, to go that far to accept that maybe Sexton won't play every game in this tour. I don't think that's exactly a hot take that he's not going to be available for every single minute. Uh, do you have greater concerns or fewer concerns, say, compared to the end of the Six Nations when it comes to Ireland's depth at 10?
2: Um yeah I think it's 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 undecided and I think we can't there is no um that, well there's potentially one of the one of the young guys in Munster may come into the reckoning depending on uh what game time he gets they get in uh in, in Munster next year. Um but if you just look at the at the players that are, that are on at hands, Ross Byrne didn't give the uh, greatest um showing of himself Jack Harty at the, at, the, at the weekend Jack Harty is injured and they've kind of decided on those two so unless somebody else emerges they're just trying to get the either they're trying to get Harry Byrne to stay fit and to see can he compete at this level and trying to play Joey Carberry back into back into form uh, again he's not injured this time but they're really trying to decide, I think, on what the pecking order is. Um, and they picked three out halves, and there's every chance these could be the three out halves that go to um, go to the World Cup um, next year. And they're just trying to see what is the best trying to see what the best use of these resources is. Um, but I still think there is, yeah, like i mean, you know we're dealing in the in the squad we have. Like they just need to figure out who's gonna who's who's gonna play who's gonna start those tests if they if if Johnny isn't, and that's not clear. Um, because you have two two halves who are have different um, problems to solve. Joey is hasn't thrived in the la- in the latter half of the season and is probably a little bit you know, looks a little bit shy on, com- on confidence and players and I suppose people talking about maybe he's should be shifting to fifteen with um, with. Uh, What's his name? Shifting into into ten, um, which was Carberry uh, fifteen. fifteen, mm. uh, Carberry of fifteen, and um, uh, Ben Healy shifting into coming into ten. And I'm, so I'm not sure that helps uh, anyone in, the, in, in an Irish case. But it's just, I suppose, it's a it was a reflection on the Malays in the in the monster attack in the last couple of games. Um, and uh, Harry Byrne has all the talent in the world, but can't stay fit. And whenever he plays, he tends to force the force the. Force the game, so I think they just need to. They want they're they're, they're putting these guys in and giving them every chance to cement themselves because, like, that's the age old thing, isn't it? Sometimes it's harder to get out of a national team. To any any good performances from either of those players could go a long way um over the next kind of fifteen months.
4: Well, like I, I do find the, the Harry Byrne conversation very interesting, given that in front of him you've Johnny Sexton, who, as we've just said, is, is probably not going to play. Uh, all the time in this tour and and Joey Carberry who is injury prone so Harry Byrne could it's not unreasonable to think be thrown into the deep end in this tour is is this potentially a sort of sink or swim moment for him I I know it's very early in his career and he's had injury troubles that have sort of delayed his emergence but do you think this could be a very very big few months for him
2: it's yeah it could be Um, I would be surprised if he gets first shot at the at the uh, at the at the title Um, I would be I I would say there is a Carberry Harry Byrne, it, it's between those two. That, like this is, this is like this is a you know it's almost like a Lions door going going into it. You know you've got the Maori first. There's going to be game time, um, split between them. You would expect Sexton to start the first test, and whoever performs better in that Maori test to be able to get the uh, to get the option off the off the bench. So it really is fighting. Like you are you're absolutely right. And um, both of them. This is this this will have a. Monumental impact on their uh, on their pecking order and their careers in the next in the next fifteen months. So you know that that is, and Farrell will absolutely look to tap into that. The fact that he's bringing Sexton and he's captain this tour just goes. Listen, we've and, he's, and we know we signed the contract to the to the World Cup. He's kind of gone. Listen, this is he's number one, and you guys need to figure out who's number two. Um, and then you can start working about how to how, how, to, how to manage those resources.
0: Just, just at this stage of the season, Gordon, we, we spoke about like Josh Cullen and um, Stephen Kenny referenced last night. He's at 60 games this season. Like, what's it like for a rugby player in the middle of June to have this ahead of you? Um, and as you mentioned, the Maori aspect to it as well. Some of these guys coming off a really long season with particularly Leinster and so on.
2: Yeah, it's not like it isn't easy um, because you're at this really weird balance because you need to maintain a kind of um, physical element in the gym. Um, pitch sessions has to come right down. And the volume you can do on a pitch has to come right down. So your ability to practice at a really, really intense level going into the most intense portion of the season um, is, it's really hard. And you're kind of a victim of, um, how you perform. You will either, if you hit the ground running, you you can just, you know, you can just carry that momentum uh, into it. But on the other side of the fence is you've got New Zealand who are really, really well rested. You know, they've come off the back of, um, you know, most of them only play half of the, uh, the super rugby. So they're coming in super well rested, not a huge amount of game time in it, uh, under their belts. And they seem to benefit from that. And they're, at the you know so the energy levels is, is really hard i think it was on one of the tours we had two games in new zealand and i think it was maybe uh, somewhere in the mid 2000s with two games in new zealand and one in australia and we could have we should have won one of those two tests in new zealand and we lost them in the you know dying dying embers of the of the uh, of the match um but we went to australia and we were doing really well it wasn't a great particularly great australia team but we just ran out of gas um Fifty-five minutes to just the parachute came up, and we just didn't have anything in the gas and Australia. You know, kind of stole it in the last in the last fifteen minutes, and that was that was really hard. But like, you were pretty, you're pretty physically broken at the at, at the end of that. And I was just thinking, if you'd add in two more matches into that, like you don't you don't <laughs> you don't know where you go. and That's why I keep thinking, like this is you know this is a Six Nations played over three and a half weeks.
4: Mm. Mm. That that's 2006 that you're referring to, and it's yeah. it's 34 23 is the first test against New Zealand, 27 17 is the second test against New Zealand, and then 37 uh, 15 against the Wallabies is the third test. So I presume I, you you play you start and 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 play in all three tests. I presume come test three, you are even before kick off, you're like I'm I'm a bit screwed here.
2: Not that you're a bit screwed, you just are going like your 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 confidence is is not confidence, but the the just the, the the frustration of being close and I know those score lines don't necessarily reflect how close the games were but we were mm. there was one of the one of the thing was the second test in particular um we gave up a try in like the last six five or six minutes um but you had to carry that momentum there you got to travel get on a plane go over um and yeah you but you just there's a physical the thing like I think that was like, I think that was my 30 second game or something that season and if you look at the, across the Across the paddock you know these guys were probably barely into 15 15 games and I, that does take that does take a take its take its toll um how they perform like this is this will be all around momentum lens like Ireland need to get a they need to get a win they, they arguably need to win the first two first two matches um to have a chance of doing something on that on that on that tour there's an awful lot of pressure on um New Zealand to perform as well in those two matches. Um but from an Irish from an Irish perspective, you know, without without trying to get it, you know, it, it, there's a bit of a grey cloud over Irish rugby, particularly with um just in the last couple of weeks with Munster's exit um and Leinster and Ulster following suit in the last in, in kinda of almost in consecutive weeks. Um but there's a huge amount of pressure on New Zealand to perform in this tour, but from Ireland for this tour not to spiral into something that you're 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 you know you're scrambling to 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 pick up the pieces from they need to they need to perform and win one of the first two matches
4: let's talk about the um provincial aspect of this then what have you seen over the last few weeks that would give you the greatest cause of concern when you take that evidence and bring it to the Ireland
2: camp um well it's well that's i think the, you don't necessarily carry your form um from your province into it. I suppose what would be of cons- potentially a bit of concern would be um, players carrying their form into uh, in- into camp. Um, it's not across the board. I think um, you know, say uh, you look, say you know, and, and players missing, and they can name check Callagher and Balakoon definitely as two that are going to be that are going to be missed. Um, but the. It's, i think it's more the kind of squad resources in it I and mean, if you look and you know we picked three number eights in the squad um which you know we' you're playing Caelan Doris at his second best position um i think he struggled in um in the bigger games at playing at a six i don't think he is naturally a six so you kind of look the the only other person in this, in the squad that's an eight eight six is peter romani so you know, the, it, the squad just looks, um, I think, from players coming in with the form they're coming in, I don't think too many players are coming in on red-hot form. Um, I think Henshaw is probably, is is arguably there. James Hume is, is arguably there. Um, Gibson Park has been, you know, a little bit uh, flat in the last two games. Ty Byrne is definitely, you know, is just looks like he's a man who started nearly every game he's available for this season. And I think they're the players that tend to offer you game-breaking moments in, in, in games and if they're a little bit flat coming into this tour that could be a work.
4: Uh, can I ask you about Leinster then yeah in your piece in the Irish Times this morning you said that Leinster remain vulnerable to big physical teams as was evidenced over the last few weeks uh, was your sense earlier in the season Gordon that they had corrected those vulnerabilities somewhat and that this is maybe a little bit surprising what's transpired over the last little while?
2: Yeah, like I think you, we, we we probably get carried away with with Leicester because they're so dominant during the early part of the early part of the season, and the disrupted um, European Cup kind of sent over um, a mishmash of, uh, of of games. I think the the there's only so much you can um, coach yourself out of um, a, a problem. Um, there are bigger, there are other teams with bigger budgets and bigger people. Um, that we're leaving it, we're we're kind of leaving it more to chance. That uh, to try and be perfect on a on a game on a day, and that's unf- uh, it, with the current squad with the current way we approach the um, the kind of match day twenty three. Like um, our only one of our the only overseas player that say Leinster have is Alatito, and he's on the he's on the bench, so he's not starting. But when you look and say most other European wins, there will always be. A kind of uh, a little kind of sprinkle of just in that international class that can be the difference in games. And I think, you know, when Ireland's or when Leinster's and uh, their line eight struggled and their set piece struggled, we didn't really have a, a, a second way to regenerate quick ball, which is the kind of fulcrum to everything that Leinster do. And we didn't have a particularly good, uh, we don't have uh, our kicking game isn't. Uh, to, to regather is is what it used to be our counter attack probably isn't as dangerous as as other teams so we 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 struggled and we don't have that um player that you can just pop the ball to that can just generate um quick ball more often than more often than not
4: is there a sense now that what's coming through at the Leinster academy will get them so far and will still allow them to you know be very very competitive and, uh, on all fronts but that sprinkling of international class will need to be sourced from elsewhere.
2: Yeah, and like I think you know you got you got Jason Jenkins coming in um, next season, and I think he would have he would have potentially solved this year's problems because if you look in say when uh, Joe McCarthy came on in um, against uh, Larvial, he, he you know that kind of tight you know he was tight tighter loose headlock. He came in and he scrummaged for his life, and um and did, we didn't give up a, a penalty. So I think. That's going to help solve one of those issues, but is that enough um across the board you know when when we have won there has been big players big international players big just big foreign signings that have made you know small have made contributions across a thing that just changed the whole dynamic of it and I think they've also fed into players like I'm a better player from playing with Felipe um. Better player from, from, from playing with uh with Issa. Um so there's players like that, Nathan Spooner, there's guys like that that just give you a different insight into how the how the game. So it's not just about winning A matches, that's what they're primarily to do, but they do add to the way players perceive the uh perceive the game and interpret it. Um and yeah, I think to have to have all those players like it, it would be a noble, um noble uh goal to win with everyone being, you know, through the Leinster Academy. But you know i it is a good academy I don't think it's good enough to beat um you know bigger budgets out of out of france and the uk
4: like that's quite interesting and so like i the, the knock on impact of that would be Interesting as well Gordon over the next little while that if they do bring in maybe one or two additional signings than then Jason Jenkins just for example the, the knock on impact that would have on, on some of the more talented players coming through from the academy who, who may not necessarily be on an international class level but would be able to bring I'm not sure does, does it bolster up their squad does it essentially become a case where the Leinster Academy becomes an even bigger feeder for other provinces in Ireland or, or what the knock on impact of that would be a few more international signings for Leinster
2: yeah but they, but they have them next year and i think it's the mm. it's the you know you have jenkins there is Charlie uh naitai if i have that name wrong i probably do he's coming in as a as a center he's coming in from leon um and you have uh, Al Alatoa, but there's not none of those three are guaranteed to start if we were in the champions cup final next year i'd say jason jenkins probably is just purely on size um the Gatlin's great quote, great quote, you can't coach a guy to be six foot eight and hundred and thirty kilos. Um and whether we can whether we get away from that or not, that's what that's what Leinster needed. They needed a bit of a bit of size. Um because in both games when um our set piece has been disrupted, and our set piece is, see, what, set piece was disrupted because we looked a little small. Um and then um we weren't so we were we were we were we were disrupted at set piece, and that had the knock-on effect across the game. That we don't have a like. You look at you know what the Stormers were able to do. they were able to give the ball to Evan Roos, and he's just dynamically carrying over the over the over the um, over the gain line. Marcel Kudsiya, he did the same. That is the game they're built for. But when we were asking Caelan Darris and Jack Conan to carry into South Africans off slow to medium ball. We struggled. We really, really did because we're not built for that type. We weren't. We're not put together for that type of game. We are built for that high-tempo game, um, but we need to be able to protect from for the other side because that's what teams are. That's what New Zealand are going to look at from that. They're going to look at the template that France did, where they disrupted um, our set piece in in Paris for fifty percent of the game. They're going to look at um, you know the pressure Dan Sheehan was put over three pods going up nearly every time in every lineout um, and put him under and put them under severe pressure um so the calling of the line out will be really important the scrum looked um our scrum looked you know our scrum looked shaky um you know leinster's looks looks shaky you've got um there doesn't seem to be a huge amount uh, uh experience in behind in behind tag so yeah so the there is there is concerns around that in in broader context
4: all right gordon great stuff thanks so millie for being with us this morning thanks a million. cheers gordon darcy there on the line looking at that uh, 40-man squad for Ireland and uh, a few Leinster reflections there as well. It is thirty eight here with us here on OTBAM, which is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And we're going to be speaking to Andy Moran in just a moment, but here's some more from Andy Farrell. He was speaking at yesterday's squad announcement uh, on Kieran
7: Frawley's prospects heading to New Zealand. Kieran's like a, a, a number of players that's been selected in the squad there's 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 massive potential though, you know, and we, we wanna see that potential flourish under under extreme pressure and he's a type of player that we obviously wanna this, this tour is 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 brilliant for because um one we this is what touring's all about isn't it? We we get to find out about Uh, players um, how they live uh, uh, away from home etc how how they're a good teammate um, um, within a squad of 40 is pretty important and and versatility whilst we're playing at the other end of the world um, you know it's very hard to to get people out there um, within within 48 hours so you've got to have a versatility within you in your group and obviously Kieran he um he can play um, a number of positions. He played fullback uh, last weekend when he came on and, and, and looked pretty comfortable there. But we know he can play very well at ten and twelve as well. Yeah, he's a uh, he's he, he's a few things going on in his hip there. That's muscular. It's not it's not um, um, uh, structural damage, which is a good thing. But um, the, the the injury is said to be four to six weeks. So. Um, uh, we had uh, in yesterday, and uh, we was waiting on results of that, and we're gutted for him, uh, absolutely. Uh, we're gutted for ourselves as coaches as well, because th- this is the type of tour that's made for for people like Rob, you know, to to show his uh, to show his worth um, on, on the on, on the big stage, you know, and that's what the tour's all about, you know. This is. This is, for us, it's the start of our World Cup campaign and we wanted players like Rob involved in that process, you know.
4: Yeah, Andy Farrell speaking at Ireland squad announcement for the Tour to New Zealand yesterday. Rob Balacoon was who he was talking about there at the end. We're turning our attention now to Gaelic Games and delighted to welcome Andy Moran, the Leitrim manager, to the show. Andy, how are you getting on? Hi guys, how are you doing? Very well. So year one is down. Uh, how would you uh, assess the the successes, the highs and the lows of of Leitrim in the past season?
1: Yeah, it was brilliant on a personal level. It was uh, it was great to be honest, and not just not just saying that. Just uh, I suppose it's completely different um, point of view of the game for myself from going from playing to uh, to being on the sideline in an Inter County Senior at. Uh, both league and championship game which was exciting for myself but then in terms of the, the, the squad itself it's it's been a, a really good year we've came off two years of not winning a game I suppose um not all down to anyone's fault, really. COVID kind of, I believe, hits the hit, hits the smaller squads, more than it did the more established squads that have, I, I, I suppose, lots of finances, lots of resources. So from um, struggled through them two years. So this year was a new beginning for me, new beginning for the players. And uh, I think it was all in all a successful year. We'd have loved to have been in Crow Park this weekend. Um, unfortunately, we just didn't get there. But uh, up to that point... Um, yeah, really encouraging year. Uh, some really nice players there, if I'm being honest with you. R- really kind of good core of young young guys that really want to push on, and should, that's makes it exciting from day one.
4: Was there anything that surprised you about intercounty management so far? Like anything that you didn't really see coming, or, or anything that maybe you couldn't have prepared for?
1: Oh, the intensity of it. Um, right? Even now, we're we're out ten days, and it's uh, you know there's, there's meetings going on. There's uh, you are know, trying to prepare. You're trying to prepare, guys. It, like it, it used to be a situation. I, I think even when I first started playing, that you you leave, you go back to your club, you come back in December, maybe you have to shed a few pounds, and then you go again. You know, but now with the intercounty season it's it's twelve months around the year in terms of now. If Leitrim really want to progress, they need to go and they need to. Uh, work now hard for the, yes, Go of course, go back to the clubs, but maintain them S&C programmes, maintain their running programmes and make sure that they're ready to, you've often heard Paddy saying on the pod that Dublin used to come back ready to train, not not trying to get fit, to come back in good shape. And, that, and that's the way it's gone. People have followed Dublin's Dublin's lead, Mio's lead, Kerry's lead throughout the last few, few years. And now Leitrim kind of need to bridge that gap. But then the intensity of everything... Um, uh, within the setup, uh, between organising sessions, uh, the bits away from training, the logistics of having guys in Dublin, Galway, Limerick, all around the country, try to organise physios, uh, gym sessions. Just it's 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 all encompassing. And within a within a county as small as as Leitrim, I can't imagine how that is for the bigger managers, the the the, the Desi Fairs, the James Horns, the the Jack O'Connors of this world, where they have to organise everything um, on a much bigger scale.
4: You, it sounds like you're almost in like operations manager territory there for the next little while, trying to to get all this thing up and running. Like, I, I, do you think that the managers of the, of the so-called bigger counties have all that responsibility in their hands as well?
1: Yeah, I think they're probably, they probably they, they definitely do, and they're probably uh, over the course of it, again. Like, resources are huge in terms of uh, in terms of Gaelic football. It, it, you've often heard it mentioned. I've heard it mentioned. And When you're playing, you don't really get a good sense of what's really. Uh, Necessary behind the uh, behind the scenes in terms of funding, in terms of making sure guys have enough, uh, um, you know, making sure people like during lockdown, making sure people have enough equipment so they can work out, being monitored well enough that you can afford to pay skilled professionals to come in and make sure all them programs are monitored. And when you're in season, then that's the key thing. And I, I think what the bigger counties probably have. More so than the smaller counties, if they have more resources to to get more people on the ground, so that they can look after more people in in Leitrim and uh, I suppose other counties uh, within the within the 32, both in football and Ireland, it's probably a bit tougher. um, but then you're working off a lower playing base, like a smaller playing base, so it, it probably kind of uh, closes the gaps in that. But yeah, Dublin, Mayo, Kerry are probably just a couple of years ahead of us. In, in regard that but the, the, the catch up will be fun and I suppose the key thing for me as a young manager and all our background team is that you're learning as you go along and you're, you're, you're kind of trying to you, you'd be ringing other guys um, even the pod last year when we talked to Rory Galler and Colin Collins Joe you'd have been taking little hints off them and the little kind of guidelines off them on how you do this and how you kind of accelerate that process a bit more did,
4: did, sorry, I was just going to ask did you pick up the phone to anyone this season as manager for a couple of nuggets of advice
1: yeah, there's, um, there's. Uh, I, I suppose our our season was going along really nicely in terms of, uh, in, in terms of the way it went. Cavan and Tipperary were obviously in Division Four. They were the favourites to come out of the division. Didn't, there was no kind of surprises there uh, along the way. Uh, we played London. We, we we done very well without Keith Byrne that day. And then we played Galway. So after the Galway game, there was a few phone calls made to maybe one or two. Uh, past rates of of the county. Um, obviously, I've I've John on my doorstep, which which is a big help. But then there was other county managers along the way that, uh, you, know, you just ask them a little bit bits of advice and. You just pick it up as you're going along. So there, there's always there's always little kind of interchanges between between managers and I wouldn't be ever afraid to ask for a bit of help, believe me, do you know?
0: How important Andy is the Talchon Cup then going forward in terms of like what it gave ye in the season, what it gave other counties and trying to lift yourself after Pair Stadium, like because we'll say well you come into Leitrim jobs, so that you know, a young manager coming in gives everyone a lift, like but it, it must be very, very hard to motivate players in other counties to keep to keep committing to what's effectively a professional regime. So, how can the Talshan Cup um, be a kind of a, an
1: inspiration for players going forward? The Talshan Cup, for me, Johnny, is um, has a lot to to build on. Do you know what I'm saying? It's got it's got a lot more improvement to go to. I think the structure this year was okay, and then on the other side of that, I would say it's been absolutely not the structure anthem, but for counties like Leitrim, Sligo, even the likes of Tavern it's been absolutely brilliant mm. in terms of giving guys a chance. So th- what I mean by that is I'd love it to go to a round-robin competition um, in, in 2023 in terms of ensuring that each team has three, have three, uh, three games to start off with. So the likes of Antrim and they came down and played us, that was a knockout game. So Antrim had to wait six or seven weeks when they're lost to Cavan. Then they come down and play us. And now all of a sudden they're out, uh, where we were lucky enough to win that game and then we had another game. But if everyone was insured three games, you're on about development, Johnny. Over this year, we've had 11 games, league and championship. Four championship, seven league. That's more than the last two years put together. Um, it just, fellas can't improve unless you're playing games. Managers, we've got a young guy there for, for, for Leitrim called Jordan Reynolds. Okay, Jordan had never played for Leitrim. He, he'd never actually won a game for Leitrim right through 16s, minors, 20s. And he won his first game with a Leitrim jersey on him against Antrim. But if we didn't have that game, we wouldn't have seen him again this year. Do you know what I'm saying? That was his first game of the year. He had injuries earlier on in the year, wasn't fit enough to, to tug out against Galway. But then all of a sudden, he was ready against Antrim, came on just after half time, and then played the whole second half an extra time against Ligo. And now the whole county is talking about this young guy that we didn't know about four weeks ago. Do you know, it's, it's, that's, the, that's the key thing. It builds a kind of uh, uh, confidence within the guys that they can do it moving, moving forward. We got knocked out of the championship. The day after Monaghan get knocked out of the championship, already that gives us gives us a chance because if if Lethren get knocked out four or five weeks before Monaghan, you lose a full month of coaching your guys. Um, Monaghan get a, a, a five week head start. Already a huge gap between ourselves and Monaghan, but to get another five week head start going into twenty twenty three. So where is the chance to catch up? The Talenton Cup gives the Cavan's, the Sligos, the, the Westmeads, and the Offlies the chance to keep training right through the summer, have a smaller gap for pre-season, and then all of a sudden then go again to push on in 2023. And I think the championship in a whole, Johnny, will get fundamentally better as the Talton Cup gets stronger. And I think the difference this time between the Tommy Murphy and the Talton Cup is that managers and players have really, really bought into it. Like, for mm-hmm. example, our team, when we got knocked out against Galway, nobody left the squad. Mm. Um that's nothing down to me being this, that, or the other. That's because the guys knew that competitive games coming, that they could compete. And then last, and sorry for the long answer, the long-winded answer. But and then last week against Ligo, you go down to Park, Sean and Carrick and Shannon. There's five thousand people at the match. The place is absolutely like it, I'm not just saying this. I genuinely am just saying this. As good as atmosphere as I ever played in, and I was on the sideline. It was it was amazing seeing the lead from people listening to the Leitrim people after the game, saying the kids were at the game for the first time since they got to the league final in 19. The excitement was kind of back at it. Sligo and Mio, pitch invasion after the game. It was just incredible to see. And, that's the beauty of having games against teams that you can compete against at your own level.
0: That's exactly what you want it to be. like, yeah. you know. And it's just like, I, I I, I, don't like people poo-pooing the idea of a competition because it isn't the All-Ireland because I think games between the likes of Leeds and Sligo can be very enjoyable and what they mean to the local people. And it's only in its infancy and we're trying to break a, a long, long tradition here and uh, I think it'll really take off. I hope it does.
1: Yeah, but going like, like, on that, I, I will say, the, wait till you see Sunday in Croke Park. Mm. Wait till you see Sunday in Croke Park. It will, be, it will be unbelievable. It'll be better than the product that was put in place last Saturday. Even though the mm. quality of the football will be better last Saturday with Kildare, Mayo and Roscommon and Clare. What we'll see in terms of atmosphere, enthusiasm, kicking the ball, players trying to be the best, will be a better product, I believe, on Sunday than what we produced last Saturday. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You look at the championship, the League 1 playoffs, the League 2 playoffs in soccer. They're some of the best games of the year, even though the quality mightn't be as good, but the excitement and the drama and the the atmosphere creates creates a great product.
4: That's a really interesting point, because I was just going to ask about that when you mentioned the 5,000 strong crowd in Carrick and how that made for a brilliant atmosphere you clearly think that these games on on Sunday should be played in Croke Park and I guess for Talton Cup teams maybe it's different but the suggestion was last Saturday that if you brought those exact same games out of Croke Park to a provincial ground they would have been much better even if you had the same teams going up against each other like is it different this Sunday when you have teams who don't regularly play in Croke Park and that they should be played there or did that Carrick experience make you kind of think twice about that thinking God these provincial grounds do have a rocking atmosphere
1: I think you answered the question, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> no, I think it, the, the Talent Cup is different. Um, for the likes of Sligo and Leitrim la- last weekend, the draw was to play in Co Park. Mm. Okay. That's where the excitement was because, like, you look at an emblem Mulligan type figure. He's played, he's, he's played over 100 times for Leitrim, um, which is not nearly half enough, if I'm being honest. But he played nearly 100 times for Leitrim and he's played one time in Co Park in the League final in Division Four. You know, So, the yeah. draw was to get to Co Park. And to show the guys that there's club football, there's county football, and then there's Crow Park football, and to show them that like these are three nearly different competitions, different games, and to get them used to that, uh, to get them used to that kind of pace of the game. And the big disadvantage for someone like Leitrim is that Sligo now go and play there, and they'll see a game played at a whole different level, a whole different pace, and then we have to play them next year in Division Four. So yeah, yeah, I would say it's different. Last weekend, own totally agree with you. I was in Crow Park. And it was literally, it was, it was it like the, when you see the seagulls flying in, like I remember doing runs after a game one time when I didn't play enough minutes and doing runs after the game. And it was just, uh, the seagulls were down on the pitch. <laughs> you know, yeah. and during the game last week and in the second half, you know, there was that little people in the place. That it, all, it looked like that at times, you know, and it was just uh, it was just a really surreal atmosphere. But for the Talton Cup, I think there would be thirty or forty thousand people at this. I think it would be a great atmosphere.
4: No, that's that's really interesting because I, I wasn't sure how much of an incentive it was inside the camps because it's like something mm. that's spoken about so much. It's like, oh, Emlyn Mulligan never gets to play in Croke Park, and I'm like, does he himself like think that actually the, the Carrick atmosphere is is something that he wants and like has that championship feel? But clearly not. And just kind of on top of that, then, and, and along the same theme, that. If you just focus on like the the win against Antrim, Andy, like how does that feel as a manager, as a group, compared to say, I don't know, being involved with a big win for Mayo in in Croke Park? Is it on the same level? Is it, is it absolutely nerve wracking? Is it on the same level of ecstasy when you get over the line as as anything would have been with 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 your Mayo days, or how do those experiences compare?
1: Oh yeah, it's 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 way worse um, in terms <laughs> of nerves, in terms of pressure. Like when you are playing you actually have some uh, resemblance of control of the game Um, Joe you can actually affect the game so you're on the pitch when when you're on the sideline your work is done when the guys cross the white line so um, yeah very kind of uh, like I'd probably get involved in the game maybe that's a bit of an experience but I'd get involved kind of in the game as well in terms of being encouraging directing and stuff like that so um, you kind of lose yourself in, in the moment as well but the pressure of the game um, is, is is huge as a, as a, as a manager. Um, I'll tell you what's a huge pressure, lads, and you asked me what it's like, but when you play a game against Antrim and you need to turn around then for seven days and play against a Sligo, like it happened last week, and you need to get the video analysis done on the Antrim game, then you need to get the video done on the Sligo game, you need to talk to the guys that mightn't be too happy that they didn't play, mm. you need to talk to the guys that did well. That... 48, 72 hours from Sunday through to Wednesday evening is absolute maniac stuff to be honest with you in terms of pressure, in terms of uh, just making sure that you have all the right people talked to and you're, you're trying to pick a team then for the following week, try to analyse what Sligo might be weak and strong at. Like that was just huge um and uh, huge learning for us but the pressure of the game, yeah, uh, Owen, it, it, it's huge um and completely different than when you were a player.
4: How do you Approach that conversation with the lads who are unhappy with the minutes that they got at the weekend
1: yeah I suppose at the start like you know, like I was probably kind of flapping around a, little, a tiny bit in terms of um when you're t- when you're t- when you're talking to the boys in in uh, um you, you're trying not to hurt feelings and you're trying not to um, do it but then like I, I kind of analyzed it after the first couple of times i I, I did it and um i I just honesty is the only way to go you have to be honest you've got to know the reasons why you're not doing and I think if you're honest with guys I think nine out of ten times fellas just go okay that's fair enough you know I'll try to work on that could be very disappointed uh kind of when you're not making 26 sometimes you're a tiny bit embarrassed by that you know I don't mean that in a bad way but you're going back to your family your clubs and you need to kind of be really respectful towards that as well um but honesty is the only way to go about it it's it's uh I think it's the only way to um, kind of if, if you want to kind of keep the respect with the players I, I think if you're, if you're being honest with them and I remember when I was a manager or when I was a player getting a phone call one time asking a manager why am I playing and he just turned around and he goes Andy we need you for the last 20 not the first 20 mm-hmm. and I just kind of went well, that's fair enough. <laughs> I say, yeah. do you know what you say to that? You say, listen, he still wants me. He still needs me, but it's, uh, it's not the way I wanted to do It's not 70 minutes, but if people are just honest, which I think it's, it's the best way to I, go.
0: I remember you as a young, an underage soccer player, but, uh, do you, do, you have, do you have sympathy for, um, Stephen Kenny just having to deal with this, I don't know, this hysteria over a couple of results? Like
1: it's, 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 it's mad, isn't it? It's, uh, but I, I see it, uh, Johnny, I see it here with, um, with, with James, with James Horn, mm. the, the pressure is just enormous in in terms of of football. Like our culture in terms of management, we like we've always, you know, it's like Mayo's always been a mad football county, like insane football county. But since that run started in 2011, the pressures on managers have just it's gone through the roof. And I got to know Andy during the year. We went up to meet a couple of times for a few challenge matches. Um, Got to know Andy, terrific guy, and the pressure he was under uh, as a manager, and it's it's just uh, it, it's enormous, and it's it's something that I think an advantage of being a modern player like that that I'm not finished too long. I kind of understood that pressure, kind of got into it, but now it's it, it's still up a few notches than what I expected. But uh, the top counties are under that much pressure now to 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 get results. It's huge, and Stephen Kenny is just on a whole different level altogether.
4: You talk about that pressure and that must be one of the frustrating aspects then when you come away from that game two weeks ago knowing that a decision uh, to an extent does you out of a place in Croke Park this weekend. That ratcheting up of the pressure all season long and knowing that something's kind of taken out of your hands like that and it was a significant moment Andy um, the the, the square ball decision against you to to rule out that goal at the start of extra time. How do you process that in the aftermath especially when something like that is, is out of your control?
1: Yeah, the funny thing about that one, Owen, it, it was Shane Moore to put the ball in the net, and Shane is twenty nine, I'd say, twenty nine years of age, and really smart. Like, do you know, re really, like, like his his key strength is that he's a really smart footballer. And I was just thinking to myself, there's no way he's caught inside the box, you know, for for uh, for a square ball. But listen, it is. There's decisions within the game. These things happen. Um, very, very frustrating. I won't lie to you, especially in extra time. We had scored four on the bounce to get us back level. Jordan had scored a terrific point. Keith kicked a, a whirly altogether, um, to put us level. And then the next score, actually, just after extra time was the goal. So we'd have scored one four on the bounce, which should have put Sligo under a huge, huge pressure, you know? So, um, yeah, frustrating. Um, but the game could have been won and lost within, uh, within fine margins and, Within, within the game and we could have lost or we could have won it. And listen, it's it's a refereeing decision. It went against us. Very, very disappointed. It'd be great. it be unbelievable to be going and playing Cavan this week in Coral Park, but it didn't happen. But what I would say is when you're kind of analysing the game, and I, I found myself doing this maybe earlier in the week, you forget the great things that are just after happening. And as I said to you, the kids at the game, coming in asking the likes of Keith Byrne, Ryan O'Rourke, these guys for their, their autograph after the game. You know the guys getting standing ovations coming off the pitch, but the Sligo and Leitrim supporters absolutely bouncing out the gate. So you can totally kind of focus on the result, um, which is which is important. Or look at what's just after happening within within the the county of Leitrim, and the love of football kind of is is back um is back to where it should be. And it's it, for me, you always kind of coming from a MiO setup, you always kind of symbol where the team is at when you see the kids at the pitch, and if the kids want to meet their heroes. You know, that's, that's, that's the job of any footballer is to make sure that you leave something that the kids want to replicate into the future and all of a sudden these guys are doing it you know
4: absolutely this weekend then it's Croke uh, Park it's Sligo against Cavan in the Curtain Razor at 145 and Westmead against Offaly at 4 o'clock the Talton Cup semi-finals obviously who do you see coming out of them Andy you've seen a few of them up close and personal in Division 4 and in the Talton Cup this season and, and who do you see going all the way
1: yeah, it's 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 a tough one. Um, coming out of Division Four, you probably wouldn't have picked Cavan, um, because they played well, but they just did enough. You know, they just they just did enough to get through every game. It was just it was kind of like they kept everyone at arm's length. It, they never really exploded, but then they go out and play a team that had a really good Division Three in Antrim and destroy them, and then you see like. Okay, so you can take away and you can look at the Armagh Donegal result last week and say, oh, Armagh hammered Donegal. But in reality, there was a 25 minute period there in the first half where Donegal absolutely ripped Armagh asunder, you know. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Armagh. Donegal played outstanding football. Thompson kicking points, Murphy kicking points. Um, And it it was just lovely to watch Ryan McHugh kicked outside the foot one. It was just lovely. And then you have to analyse then the Cavan got really, really close to Donegal, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you'd have to say Cavan have the form coming into it and I, I think Cavan will probably just kind of sneak the, the, the whole competition. Now saying that, I've, we, we've seen awfully most of their second team in a challenge during the year and I know John has done terrific work with them. I've seen Westmead playing against Mio last year in Division 2. Again, that they probably should have won up in Cusick Park. So they've got real... Talent there as well, and the thing about Westmead, I would say, is the pace they have up front. They could be the team to kind of watch to get within three points of Kildare in in the Leinster. So it's a real tough one to, real tough one to analyse. But I would say that Cavan probably have the edge. I would just say they probably have the edge. Winning the Twenty Twenty Ulster, I think they're really kind of. I, I think Jack, John, Tony, and and Mickey Graham have really kind of went after this tournament. Uh, so I think if if they are really focused in on it, Cavan should sneak it, but I think it's going to be a really tough test from this week and the following weekend in the final.
4: Yeah, hopefully we've got three cracking games left in the competition. Just one last thing, Andy. Um, Mayo uh, on Saturday uh, they had a fairly mixed performance, but got a positive result in the end. It is deja vu. We have seen this time and time again. We've seen this from teams that you played in where through the back door they look so unimpressive and then they find themselves back in an All-Ireland final. So what would your message be to the people who are looking at that Mayo performance on Saturday and writing them off already ahead of their quarter final?
1: See, the, the Mayo boys, particularly the guys that have been there a long time, know that they're not playing well. It's... it's uh, They wouldn't be dressing it up like they wouldn't be turning around saying, oh, well, we got the results and blah, blah, blah. They know they're not playing well. Like everyone that was at that game the last day, even the comeback was okay. It wasn't to the standard they want to play at. Um, But it's the draw, lads, that Mayo would have wanted. And I don't mean that kind of patronising towards the players or anything like that. I mean it is in it's now you either play or you get bet. You either play or it's all over. It's, it's like there's no way about it. Mayo could play really, really well against Kerry and still lose. Um, but they have to know, the performance levels have to go up. There's no more excuses. And I think what happened with them teams in 16, 17 was that when we got to the point, then we could kind of up it. And uh, when we got to Crow Park, we could up the, the level, the speed, the skill level that we, we need to play at. And we're just hoping as, uh, as Mayo people that they do the same thing. Um, I think it's a very dangerous game for Kerry. I think it's probably in the point now where, like, like, Kerry haven't played a game since round six of the league. They played the last league game, which was dead rubber. They played my own the, the, in the final, which wasn't really a game. Cork put it up to them for 50, which you always thought, Kerry now are going to pull away. Limerick have played. So they haven't really played a game since round six. So, Mayo not playing well, still beat two, two Division One teams to get to, to get to a quarter final, and I, I like Kerry should win the game, but I do genuinely think Mayo have a chance of uh, going upset. And I think people kind of have short memories at times too. I think like Dublin, obviously not playing to their highest standard, obviously not playing to their higher standard last year. I think they were ten four up at half time. I think they went they got to fourteen and then they never scored and we all got on this momentum train like we love to get on and uh, all of a sudden started clipping away at, at Dublin and brought them to extra to try and won the game, and Kerry on form should win. But I, I think it's a great draw for me. I genuinely think it's a great draw. Do so you think any of the,
0: the, sorry, the shadow boxing of the league game will stand to them here in that? Like they'll have learned much from that, or um, with with w- do you think James Horn is thinking this might we might meet them in the championship and I know a lot more then.
1: I, do, I I don't buy that narrative, Johnny. Okay. About the, about the league, about the league uh, final. I think we all would help Leather to win that league final. I think the only difference in it is that Kerry are the fastest team. Kerry or Dublin of five, six years, the fastest team in the whole competition. And in that final, no Sheen Mullen, no Paddy Durkin, no McLaughlin. Obviously, Tommy Conroy wasn't playing because he's out for the year. No
4: Killian, essentially.
1: Yeah, but like Killian's greatest asset was never his pace. But them four guys I mentioned are absolute speed merchants. So now all of a sudden, you've Gavin White running, but you don't have a Paddy Durkin or no McLaughlin Mm -hmm. to go after him. So, you know, so like, essentially, Johnny is that Kerry essentially ran us out the gate that day, and then you have the brilliance of Clifford then on top of it. So now at least Mayo will have pace to match pace in key in key areas, and then you can see then are they good enough to go and win. Um, as I said, they probably shouldn't, but that day in the national final, in the National League final, Kerry were just too fast for Mayo. In every asset of the game, we lost way too much speed. Mayo lost way too much speed, and the fellas we had to replace them are really, really good footballers. But they're a different footballer. They'll be kind of like me and, as Owen mentioned there, Killian. they would be the slower, kind of more skillful kind of player. Where against Kerry, if you don't have someone to mark Brian O'Goughley, you've no one to mark Gavin White, you've no one to mark Paulie Clifford, Darren Mine and these guys, they'll just run out around you. So at least the next day when we all go to Crow Park, they'll have speed to match speed. And then you see, have they enough about them up front uh, to, to go in the game.
4: Do you still listen to the football pod or is that like texting your ex?
1: I would know, Absolutely As I often said I'm jealous that uh, um, I don't know who's so good The little whore But he's uh, <laughs> uh, It's brilliant I, li- I listened to I listened to the one yesterday I was actually really surprised How how And thank God for Tommy Rooney so I won't say that too often But thank God for him At least he stood up for me a little bit But the, the two boys were very big On Kerry yesterday And um, and rightly so, Kerry. In, in my opinion, I've like been saying it for a couple of years. Should go win all All-Ire- this All Ireland and possibly All Ireland's. Then after, but until they do it, there's pressure on them. And gee, I, I honestly think if any team can put a squeeze on them, it's Mayo. Now, Mayo's performance level needs to go way up. But the two boys, yes, we'll be having words with them both, Paddy and uh, Jamesy. They were they were very, very, very big on Kerry. Um, but I think it's a danger, real dangerous game for Kerry. I think all the pressure, every bit of the pressure, is on Kerry. Me, you, Johnny, the two boys in the pod, would all say Kerry should win, they will win, whatever. But that puts huge pressure on you. And uh, like Jack O'Connor has a job in his hands in the next ten days to make sure them boys don't get caught up with a bit of a bit of complacency going into the game.
4: Andy Moran, a pleasure chatting to you as ever. Thanks, a million for taking the call. Thanks for having me, lads. It's, uh, and boss, Andy Moore, and they're on the line to Talton Cup finals, of course, in Croke Park this Sunday. Uh, thank God for Tommy Rooney bringing some Mayo balance to proceedings. Colin Melanie is with us in the studio. Colin, how are you
8: getting on? Lads, how's it going? All good. Uh, What is happening in the world of sports? Well, just uh, some breaking news. The Republic of Ireland women's national team squad has been announced. Some of the headlines from it have just been announced in the last couple of minutes. Uh, Goalkeeper Naisha McAloon included for the first time. And Diane Caldwell and Stephanie Roach also returned to the Irish squad. Ireland play uh, the Philippines in a friendly on Sunday. That's uh, as part of a training camp that's taking place in Turkey. And they play a crucial World Cup qualifier against Georgia on Monday week and that's away to Georgia on Monday week and uh, they're beginning their preparations this week so that squad just announced in the last couple of minutes. The men's team of course played out a one-all draw with Ukraine in the Nations League last night. Nathan Collins uh, with the goal there for Stephen side. Elsewhere in the group Scotland beat Armenia by four goals to one in Yerevan. England suffered their heaviest home defeat since 1928 last night. They were hammered 4-0 by Hungary at Molyneux. They also had John Stone sent off. England at bottom of their League A group and in danger of relegation. Uh, things not going too well for Wales either. They thought they'd salvaged a draw last night with a late goal from Gareth Bale, but a 93rd-minute winner from Memphis Depay uh, gave the Netherlands a 3-2 win. And uh, Darwin Nunez says it's a pleasure to sign for Liverpool. He's moved on a six-year deal from Benfica. That deal costing Liverpool an initial €75 million euro, could rise to as much as €100 million. Euro. Uh, in swimming, Ireland will bid for another medal at the World Para Swimming Championships in Madeira later today. Roshini Ryan back in the pool. That's for the final of the 100-metre backstroke S13 event Nicole Turner is celebrating a third place finish in the 200 metre individual medley SM6 final last night the Port Arlington swimmer took bronze and will feature again in Madeira later in the week and there's racing at Wexford this evening the first of a seven race card goes off at 20 past five
4: very quickly who's your tip for the US Open
8: I'm going to say Rory 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 I mean, he looked so good last week so let's hope he can continue
4: yeah it'll be uh, a hell of a week if he manages to do it Cahal Malani great stuff as thanks, ever thanks a million uh, alright OTB AM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day and we've got plenty coming up on OTB Sports Radio throughout the day as ever from 1 o'clock OTB Gold is coming your way it's an Irish football special with Shea Given Niall Quinn Jason McAteer and Chemical Ban Nia Fahey uh, and an interview with her is Coy Gig from 3 o'clock Retro Panel Telling it like it is. From four six o'clock is OTB Gold with Colin Tagguchi Cooper, and then Off the Ball is live on your radio from seven o'clock tonight. You can follow Off the Ball across all of our social channels. You, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can download the OTB Sports app for the latest and best in sports content and analysis. Now, during this next app break, you'll hear a clip from the latest episode of the Football Pod, where the lads debated if Mayo were being written off too early. The Football Pod is brought to you by AIB, proud sponsors of the GEA Senior Football. Channel. Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. We're back after these but more reaction to Ireland's draw last night alongside Damien Delaney. OTB AM. The quarter past nine, you're very welcome back. So the end of Ireland's June international window has finished with one win, one draw, and two defeats. They sit on four points in their League B division. Uh, Scotland are in six points. Ukraine are in seven points. So Ireland are in third place, one point clear of Armenia. Last night, though, was all about Nathan Collins and delighted to welcome Damien Delaney to the show. Damien, how are you getting on? Hello. How are you? A lot of uh, fluctuating opinions on how much we should be excited about Nathan Collins after last night. Where do you stand?
6: Uh, really excited um, I'm really excited to to, to, to see him grow um, and get better in this window last night he was exceptional um, I really really like him in the middle of a back three if we're going to persist with this um, you know he's uh, I know Shane Duffy has a, an awful lot of, of strengths and he's been the main man for us for years and um, he probably will remain the starting middle center back but I think Nathan Collins holds a much higher line. Not afraid to go into the midfield, even though he's the middle of three. Uh, I think Shane plays a position slightly different when when he's the deepest one. He's almost not a sweeper's probably too harsh a word, but he, he tends to be a little deeper than the other two. Whereas last night Nathan Collins nearly all the time was level with the other two centre backs, and it gave us a much better uh, starting position. Um, and them, obviously the three midfielders help as well so maybe that's a touch unfair on Shane Duffy because when we only play with two midfielders in there the opposition midfield players at times so maybe Shane does have to drop off and give himself a few yards but I suppose when there was three in there and there was more pressure on the Ukrainian midfield players Nathan Collins was able to hold a high line so um, maybe that point isn't as as valid but I, I still liked the way he played
4: What's your gut feeling? and Maybe like in terms of what you're actually seeing in terms of analysis as well of where Collins' ceiling will actually be
6: Oh, oh that's up to him. I think he's got every attribute to um to go as far as he wants. He's got pace, he's got power, he loves a tackle, can head it. I think he's got pretty much everything we saw last night with his goal, how um how good he is on the ball, remarkably uh technical player. Um so he's still so young as well, and he obviously has leadership qualities, um and he's finding his feet nicely at, at club level. Um you need to see how he how the summer goes for him, maybe he can get that move. Um, I'm not sure. a company coming in at Burnley, what their financial situation is. Maybe they have to offload him, which could be a good thing for him because I think there'll be a host of of Premier League teams, top half Premier League teams, looking to take him on board.
0: Yeah, just on that, Damien. I like you, you, that performance last night, it's hard to marry that performance with the lad who's going to play for the, for a year in the Championship particularly with the the trajectory of him getting more game time. Um as a center back like what would you advise him in terms of if he said to you like okay I I'm I'm going to get a good premier league offer here or I can play at a you know a championship team that is far from guaranteed to actually get promoted as well.
6: Um obviously he he, he wants to play and he has to play at the highest level possible. Now, the situation at Burnley, depending on how it unfolds, I think Burnley would have to sell them if if the rumours or the the reports about their financial situation and and being plunged into such extreme debt uh, pretty much overnight um, are true, then I'm pretty sure that they will look to offload any asset that they have and needs most certainly an asset. His performance last night will have caught the eye around Europe against a pretty good uh, uh, Ukrainian team. So... I think he'll go, um, but if he doesn't and Burnley do manage to, to, to find some cash or stave off the, the, the loan repayments, whatever their situation is, and he stays, then he just has to do the best he can in the championship and he is a top player and he's young enough that he will have that hunger to to, to churn out 46 games. He's been in the championship at Stoke before, so he knows what it takes, but I think that him and his, his advisors, his agent um, and his family will certainly be looking to get that move, especially if there's you know mid- to upper-level um Teams maybe such as the Wolves or someone like that might be very interested in him. Perhaps there'll be teams hired to look at developing him. But at this stage, you know, he's played so many games, he just needs to continue playing.
0: He, he was, he was, he was, if it were 14 million or whatever it was, like, you, do, you do wonder what he's worth now. But did, I don't know if you saw his interview after the game, Dave. I thought it was just so refreshing. Like He was just like a lad who was happy with life he said he was tired after four games didn't really m- make much of the goal as if he couldn't really remember it but what, what really shunned for me was he just said I just enjoy playing football I enjoy playing football and that was like exactly what he did
6: we all did that at that age to be honest <laughs> with you that, that was the interview a man unscarred by life and football <laughs> but, but, I, think, but I, think, I think you'll get there don't worry <laughs> you'll grow cynical like myself one day <laughs>
4: Um, like that point that you made earlier on, Damien, about him having the capability to, do, the capability to do these sorts of things because he's playing in a back three is, is kind of on point. And I think that that's like the, the goal, for example, as we were discussing earlier on, it's, it's hard to see somebody playing in a, in a as one of two centre backs actually making that burst forward and, and having that capability to actually make that stamp on, on the attack and the team. So when you're looking at this going forward, obviously Nathan Collins is, an absolute banker to start as long as he's fit and as long as he's in, uh, like playing football. So how do you see the rest of, of that defence being structured around him if you had to guess for the September window? And we can make the assumption here, Damien, that everybody's fit.
6: Yeah, um, look, I think, you know, um, when you saw him step in like that, I think that comes uh, for the goal. That comes, you know, as a, a byproduct of us having three players in, in midfield that the, the back three can hold a high line. I mean, it is hard to envisage Shane Duffy uh, stepping in that far, Um, although Shane can go tight, don't get me wrong, but um, I would like to see Nathan Collins continue in the middle of back three if that's the the system that we're going to persist with, with three centre-backs. Obviously, we're flush with with right-backs and centre-backs, so I think Nathan Collins will almost certainly be in the team. Um, I think the manager obviously likes... Uh, Shane Duffy for his leadership skills and what he brings to the team. So I think Shane will probably remain in the middle of a back three. I think Nathan Collins will will, will play on the right side. Um, and then left side will probably be John Egan, um, even though we have the likes of Darrow Shea and Omar Omar Daly and who's the other one I'm missing? Uh, Lenehan as well, who, who done reasonably well last well, yeah. night. Yeah, so look, I think the back three will will, will be that. Uh, but I think moving forward for Ireland, I think Nathan Collins, being the young age that he years, um, I think, he could play in anything. And what I really like about him is I think he can play in a back two as well if we do revert to a back four um, because he has that mobility and he has that um, that pace, I suppose, to um, to play in a back two. But look, the guy looks like he's capable of playing right back or probably playing number six as well. He looks that talented. Um, so if you did need him to do a stint as a defensive midfielder, I'm pretty sure he could do that too. Is it, is it
0: the populist thing now, though, to say, like, Omob Amadele, where he'd continue his progress, Daryl Shea, um, and like and obviously Collins who has to start and you're talking that Collins really should be playing the center like if we play Duffy and I I'm not sure Egan necessarily is good enough now to start if these players continue their trajectory but the Duffy situation we saw this Saturday demo like if if you have a player who's consistently prone to giving the ball away in such bad areas like it's it's surely a problem for us when you're when when every team knows that they just like put traps out for Duffy and they will expose us
6: yeah, that's, uh, look, look that's, that's a fair enough point, but I still think Shane has been pretty impeccable in an Irish jersey. Um, you know, over the years, he's he's given great service. He's still such a big character, um, but I think his club situation uh, will obviously need to earn itself out mm. as well. Um, because if, if 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 Nathan Collins is playing regularly even in a championship at a, a, a Burnley team that's at the top end of the league and he's playing well John Egan will be playing at Sheffield United um, and obviously I think Daryl O'Shea at West Brom and, and, and Daryl Lennon looks like he's um, sealed a big move to, um, to to Middlesbrough who they'll definitely be competing as well and if Shane is, is in and out of the Brighton team or he doesn't manage to get himself a move then it could be awkward for Shane but look I think Shane and his experience will, will be such a big player for Ireland moving forward both on and off the pitch um, but these are nice decisions I know that you're going to say that like they're difficult decisions but believe me managers pray for, for, for issues like this um, obviously he's the one that has to, to make the decision and get it right and he's the one that has informed certain players that they won't be playing because we've got five, six players that are capable of starting at centre-back
4: The goal Ireland conceded last night came from Ukraine getting in down there Left-hand side of, of Ireland's defence, in behind McLean, and then obviously there were a number of chances down the right-hand side of Ireland's defence. So when you bring into account the question around Ireland's wing backs at the moment and Ireland's system, how much do those moments last night give you cause for concern?
6: Um, yeah, I think I think the goal last night, just after half time, was just a result of getting caught, getting caught cold. Um, You know, uh, I think it was Colin tried to just read a ball slightly in front of Zinchenko and he spun off the back of him and then it went into the the big centre-forward chest layoff I, I wouldn't expect James McLean to be back level there. You know, he's not playing left back. He's playing left wing back. You know, that's why you play three centre backs because otherwise you end up with a flat back five and it becomes very, very difficult. So I don't think there's any manager, especially when you're you know, you're, know, um, ahead in a game and, 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 and you're, you're doing reasonably well, would I expect James McLean to be part of a flat back five there really and be alongside Darrow O'Shea. That's the, the the point of playing three centre backs is you can release the wing backs to be a threat on the opposite side. Um, so, look, we just got caught a little bit cold. Um, I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, but I do think there are flaws in in, in, in the system um, overall when you look at the, the Armenia game and the, um, the the Ukraine game at home. Um, and he's going to have to earn it out because even though we reverted last night to a, you know, I mean, we pressed it well at times, but also we had to drop back into a, into a flat back five and they had good possession. Um, and it was it became five three two i 'm not sure that system is is conducive to playing good football or to be able to retain the ball reasonably well because your wing backs are going to get pinned in at times when the opposition have a lot of the ball so it 's something he's going to have to look at um, because as i said the first the first two games did not go well uh,
4: like am I sensing here that you you think that a, a back four is is very much a live prospect ah,
6: that 's just my personal preference yeah. you know um i if if I was coaching you know uh, flat back four with, with, with two number sixes we have Collin and, and Malumbi, and then you can get a, a 10 in the pitch and you can even invert your wingers that's my own personal preference um, I just think that we're caught really in, a, in an awkward place, and he's jumped from from three four three to to kind of a three four two one, and now we're playing 5-3-2. So I think he's still trying to figure out um, what, what, what's best. I really liked his his version of the system when when you know the opposite wide player tucked in on the number six to help out the midfield players. I thought that was quite nice, and I wouldn't be you know too too dis- disappointed if that was the system. But he needs to start settling now on, 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 on the system because he's been in the job, I think, 26 games. I think I'm right in saying that last night was his 26th game. So we're getting a, a, a full picture now of Stephen Kenny's Ireland. you know We had obviously a lot of issues with COVID and, and the changing of the style. But I think it's time now to, to, to start looking at the whole picture and, and where we're at and where we're going. Um, he's had long enough to implement his, 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 his so-called change. Um, and he's had long enough now where all his players have been available to, available to him uh, post-COVID. So I think we are getting to the stage, though, where we can't start judging him um, very fairly. Um, I, I think he, he has had a, 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 a generous amount of time uh, without too much criticism um, uh, coming his way. But when you look at results like Armenia and, and Ukraine at home, um, you know, I was on the fence coming in before this this um, this this group of fixtures so things need to change, really, and we need to start beating the likes of Armenia. and We need to start getting a settled system as well, um, not kind of jumping from one to the other.
0: Do you not? Do you not think though? Like I, th- I think you know, Hogan was. We basically like ten players in Hogan last night, and if you play yeah. Obafemi up top with Parrot last night, Parrot for me, like I thought, he, I thought he just looked very good at times, and he's he's at a good window, um, particularly as the games go on. But if, if Obafemi's up there, if Ukraine to me looked jittery at the back. I think we win that game
6: yeah okay but then where's this change in style there then mm. Johnny if we're just going to sit back in defend on the edge of our box and just lump it up I'm the not saying that Robe though I'm not, I'm not saying that because okay. they,
0: they dovetail very well in general play uh, at times obviously the goal on Saturday I I think we've more to our game than that I think like that you have the option in you know, going long but we, we can pass the ball quite well and we did finish the game very well but we were carrying a player for 60 minutes
6: um, yeah like I said these are questions that the manager needs to start nailing down now um, I feel that like last night was it was a touch defensive I mean we've done reasonably well in the first half it was 50-50 um, probably deserved just about to go in ahead but I think they had a pretty good second half they dominated the ball um, and, and were probing and then obviously we finished the game reasonably strong so I think a draw was probably a fair result last night um, out there you know the pitch looked very lively as well I could see the ball just bouncing it looked really really hard so maybe that was a, was a, a factor of, of, of that need to be taken into account as well but um yeah, I take your point, John. It's not, it's not I very
0: think for very briefly. On there, there are no easy answers. And Damien's point: we need to settle on a, on a system. We need to settle on what team it is. But I can't, for any with any confidence, give you my best Irish eleven at all. And probably two or three lines of that I'm not even sure of. Can, can, I, can I actually just ask, like, just on, on, on the system? Like, it's obviously like a slight disagreement
4: here on on that. Like, uh, Damien, you're saying that actually because it's back three, it, it turns into a back five, and that yeah. is something that's not going to be progressive enough for Ireland. is, is, is that your point in a nutshell?
6: Yeah, because I think when, like, we, we, he played this in the game, I remember talking about this, like, when you play with, with, with 3 5 two, right, I, I always believe 3 5 two is a possession-based system, right? So you need to retain the ball and your wing-backs then have time to get up the pitch and become wingers, right? That means your three in midfield have to dominate the ball. That's the, the, the essential um, kind of bones of that system. If you don't dominate the ball... Right, then their wide players are just going to run run forward and your wing-backs will go back and it becomes a flat-back five and then. then you've three in midfield, which gives up the wings because their full-backs become quite prominent. And you saw that in the game last night, that they had a lot of joy. And all of a sudden, they start dominating the ball. And when they start dominating the ball and you're caught in a back five, it can be very, very hard to get out. And the only out-ball, is what Johnny's talking about there, is a big lump, or not a big lump, but a long ball up. And we had a lot of joy off that in the first half. I was counting in the studio, there was there must have been a dozen long balls where there was a flick on from Parrot or Hogan and they, they did link up quite well, but it was very, very back to front. Um, so again, I think he only went to that because he wanted to keep a back three in place but he realised that two in midfield doesn't work, so he had to get a third midfield player in. So it just seems like the, the system built itself. If you understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying, where well, I want to keep three centre backs, I need three in midfield. Well, that's three five two. Let's play three five two. As opposed to any real thought went into it. Um, well, maybe that's unfair. No, any real thought went into it, but it, it just didn't. Um, it, it looked like it was just kind of thrown in at the last minute and I, i'm not a big fan of three five two um I, i'm a traditional so like three uh, flat back four really where your, wing, where your fullbacks can join in and you know one or two defensive midfield players so look I, I think there's you know that's what steven played his whole career at dundalk was that system so this is a new system that steven's been playing and he talked before the game about being able to be a, a, a adaptive and and drop in and out of systems but um like i said there's still an awful lot of questions to be answered
4: that's really interesting. Just one last uh, word on, on England, actually, before we let you go, Damien. I actually caught none of this last night, but was kind of following the hysteria on Twitter, the fact that the players got booed at the end. What what happened last night?
6: <laughs> um, look, I mean, Hungary are a very, very slick outfit now. Um, that manager, Marco Rossi, is, has really made them an, an incredibly difficult team to get at. They defended numbers. And then they are one of the most efficient teams on the break that you're likely to see. I mean, they must have had five breakaways and scored four goals. They they were that good on the break. And the captain, uh, Zalai, at the top of the pitch is a good focal point for them. And then they've got some serious legs in England. You know, Gareth Southgate's interview afterwards kind of taking the blame for it. and And he kind of said that he picked the wrong team and that, you know, he picked players that weren't ready and you're kind of going, these are players that are playing every week in the Premier League and that seemed like a bit of a cop-out to me that, you know, even England with two or three changes because you look through the team, he wasn't playing under 18 internationals or under 21 internationals. These were guys who were playing week in, week out in the Premier League, seasoned players, even Colin Gallagher, Probably the most inexperienced, of a lot had a, a very good full season uh, at Crystal Palace, but you know the likes of Kai Walker, John Stones, Calvin Phillips, Harry Kane, there was enough experience in that in that team to 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 beat the likes of Hungary and enough um, uh, talent. But I think that you know he he he's, he tried to move away from his ultra cautious, ultra. Defensive, you know, seven defenders, three attackers. Let's make a goal and then see if we can win at one nil. That was kind of his mo in the in the Euros. He went away from that and he played with Calvin Phillips and I think it was um, Conor Gallagher and Jude Bellingham and England looked very very open. So I think last night it's kind of confirmation to Gareth Southgate that he's not going to move away from that ultra conservative style. In fact, he's probably going to go right back to it and rely on his three attacking players. You know, to you know, you go back to Rice and Phillips. You know, flat back five and and rely on the. The skilled players at the top end that have of the pitch to nick a goal.
4: It could be Ireland against England in League B, of course, in the Nations League next time. 4 uh, 0 was the result last night, by the way, so two draws, two defeats for England. They're bottom of League A, Group 3. Uh, Damien Delaney, great stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks, Odds. Cheers, Damien Delaney there on the line, and uh, really interesting stuff on the system, Johnny. Great stuff. Thanks, a million for being with us this Thanks morning. Thanks so, thankfully,
0: just so glad that it, last night like wasn't it wasn't like a horror show discussing it. Now, like uh, compared to last week, and now everything is good, and we'll be everything is rosy forever, ever more in Irish football. Um, Until we lose our next game. Brought to you live each
4: morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. More positively coming your way tomorrow from half past seven because Johnny will be here alongside Shane Hannon. We'll also have former Ireland football and rugby internationals David Connolly and Keith Wood and much more besides as well.
1: OTB
3: AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.